On the Pilot TV podcast this week, we are unpacking the longships and taking the fight to merry old England in Vikings Valhalla on Netflix, navigating car crashes, panic attacks, personal relationships, and the full moon in Wolf Like Me on Prime Video, and pulling on our flat caps for the long-anticipated return of the Shelby clan in the final season of Peaky Blinders on BBC One. And by order of the Peaky Blinders, we also have the show's writer and creator Stephen Knight on the show this week, talking to me all about C. Uh, Peaky, but also C, because it's great. Hashtag justice for Bubba Voss. I'm James Dyer, and welcome to the Pilot TV Podcast, a show that was roundly criticised last week on social media for making no mention of Channel 5's decision to send Bouncer away to live on a farm in northern Queensland. Essentially euthanising neighbours, at least until it finds a new benefactor. So to address this grave injustice, I am joined by my two fellow residents of Ramsey Street, Pilots Jim Robinson, Mr Boyd Hilton, and our very own Charlene Mitchell, Beth Webb, who was almost certainly not born when <laughs> Kylie was on the show, but let's just skate over that. And Jim Robinson was, a, was from memory, quite a dignified figure. Yes. I think he was one of probably the most... So you thought yeah, I was going to go with Harold Bishop, I didn't did. you? Yeah, yeah, you see, you. see, see, <laughs> see, I don't go for the obvious choices. Yeah. I'm not going to saddle you with Harold. I'm going to saddle you. you with Jim. Although I think we can all agree that even Jim was no match for his mum, Helen, who... Do you remember the storyline where Helen gets kidnapped and held in a shed? Oh <laughs> do you remember this? Like, I, this, this one, vaguely, my, one of my most abiding memories of Neighbours is when Helen Daniels gets fucking kidnapped and some guy stashes her in a shed. Yeah. Oh and you're God. like, what is going on in this show? <laughs> uh, it's quite extraordinary. <laughs> Didn't Thingy, the, the other one, the, the little guy that died and then was resurrected? Well, Harold. Harold, oh, yeah. so Harold, Harold, brilliantly. I can't believe I remember this. Harold <laughs> fell off a cliff or something, <laughs> got amnesia. So yes. they wrote him out of the show. I don't know yes. the reasons why. I guess you left. Yeah. And then they wrote him back in with amnesia. Fantastic. And uh, who was it? Um, was it Madge? Madge. Madge yes. was his wife, wasn't yes. it? And, like Madge had to kind of like, I guess, you know, coax the memories back out. I don't remember. The idea of you sitting there watching Neighbours just intrigues me. Do you know what I mean? I it's, can't quite yeah, come to I terms can't, with it. I can't do it. It was, it was probably <laughs> the first show I ever watched because when I was at home, because my mum stayed at home to look after me as a kid and she'd always have it. It was at like 5.30 it used to be yeah. on, on like... It was yeah. after the news round. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Would well, you be on a lunchtime and five? five oh, that's yeah. right. Yes, yeah. so if you had a day it. off yeah. school, you yeah. could watch it at lunchtime. Yeah. Students yes. famously yeah. did watch it at lunchtime. So yeah, very that. early memories of of watching lunchtime, Ramsey Street. But your your Ramsey Street was like Margot Robbie Ramsey Street, wasn't it? Like you know, I couldn't tell you. I was about two years <laughs> old. Days. I just yeah, no. Uh, yeah, Natalie and Brulia, like uh, Jason Donovan. I remember. I remember. I remember. This is so weird. Do you remember Clive? You're discussing popular. I know culture. it's mad, isn't it? You remember Clive? Remember Clive? Um, not really. Don't remember no. Clive? Clive redheaded Clive. Clive Ginger. Clive Ginger Clive. Ginger Clive. You know Ginger no. Clive. Anyway, I only G- watched it for a brief period of a couple of years. I well, say. Ginger Clive came to Debenhams in Harrow <laughs> oh, uh, wow. to do a Gosh. signing at Debenhams, and I went and got his autograph. I queued up to get oh, Clive's autograph. Yeah. Oh fuck, no, he's very young. I think I went with my mum, uh, and I went and I got Clive's 20s. autograph. Yeah, something like that. I uh, got Clive's autograph there. Uh, oh. This was the years. This was the Joe Mangle years, the Mrs. Mangle years, the plain Jane super brain years. This is all the stuff I remember. Uh, Guy Pierce. And then I remember I started, like when Home and Away first started, I was like, oh, it's a new one. It's very exciting. And I watched like, the first few episodes of Home and Away and what is this shit? And I couldn't be dealing with it. And I, I, I couldn't, I couldn't. And I watched Furious. El Dorado as well. You remember when El Dorado, remember Biz? Bonnet, Bonnet. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> What's going on? Do you know? Your obsession with cheesy. Yeah. 
Soap operas. Daytime soap operas mm. is a absolutely. It's a revelation. revelation. Yeah. So yeah. this was before it's my elitism chilling. obviously sat in. That yeah. came at a later date. Yeah. But yeah. I, yeah, I did back in the day. Did I you, watched the first few Eldorados. Did you used to sit there with your mum going, I think you'll find it if they were going to I think you thought she could just escape if he'd if he'd actually locked the gate that way. And Bishop is married to her and she's married to him. It's possible. Yeah. It's possible. I love of kind of ensemble mass huge lots of characters to keep track of yeah. was, was born that yeah. was it it was the born in Ramsey Street yeah the Ramsey Street extended universe was uh, <laughs> was where I learned it all no I did I, I enjoyed it a lot at the time uh, I think it's safe to say that um, it, it didn't last I never got into stenders even though I tried at university stenders? isn't that what, isn't that what the that? people call it no. stenders no okay fine uh, well I tried watching Enders that at university oh is it okay fine uh, I tried watching that at university and was no just no, no. Couldn't, couldn't get into that uh, my grandma used to watch Coronation Street and Emmerdale. Mm, never yeah. watched those. Um, mm. I, watched I think that's them, it. Yeah. I think that's my yeah, my okay. dalliance with soap. Okay. I've never watched Hollyoaks. Got so, me yeah. surprised. Sorry, that's that's it. So, R.I.P. Neighbours. How do you feel? How do you feel, Boyd? Do you think it'll get saved? Will someone yes. else pick it up? I think it, I think it will get saved. Will Bouncer amazed. live another day? Yeah, I think it's all a big um, negotiating ploy by Channel Five. I think they're kind of you know. I think something will happen. They're so looking for a discount. Mm. Yeah. Because they, they like essentially fund the show, don't they? Yeah, they don't pretty just, much. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah, which has evolved over time. So you know, they didn't. I don't think they did initially when they took it over from the BBC. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I would be surprised if something doesn't happen. Yeah, okay. <laughs> you'd be thrilled to know. I mean, yeah, I've not watched Neighbours <laughs> not in, mourn in <laughs> so many yet. decades. I can't even tell you, but no. uh, but still, still. All right, good. Mm. I'm glad we had this chat. This yeah. has been fun. Uh, other than Neighbours, when was the last time you watched Neighbours? Oh, Christ. I want to know. Years and years and years and years ago. So it really has been a long time. Yeah. Literally 30 years ago. Boy, I'm disappointed. I kind of secretly yeah. hope that you might be like no. a neighbour's stan, be no, up to date. I'm sorry, I'm afraid not, no. No. Okay, good. Yeah. Right, uh, so what else have we been watching that isn't, you know, El Dorado? Oh, gosh. What have I been through? I continued, but I have yet to finish... Um, this is going to hurt. Is that what it's called? This is going. Yeah, to, yeah, that's yeah. it. I always get this. Um, I I just don't think I'm emotionally equipped yet for this roller coaster that you've forewarned. Where are you up to? Uh, just had the domestic abuse episode, which you're right was handled so yeah. interesting. Is this going to upset me? Yeah, of course it is. It is. Yeah, right. Um, but Ben Whishaw's character in this is wonderful, and I love him and his partner. I think they're yeah. such a such a backable couple. Um. And very believable and sweet and great. So I love that that aspect of kind of relationships and heart and perseverance is kind of weaved into all this like trauma and horror. See, this is the thing. Like because of Boyd, I've not watched any more episodes because he made me gun shy oh, about God. it. I'm now concerned that I'm going to be traumatized no, by it. The, and so I've be... not watched any more episodes. Oh. <laughs> no, so yeah. it's entirely your fault. <laughs> oh God, I feel terrible now. Um, um, no, you can you should watch it. You, you're a big boy. You can take it. Yeah, if you can watch Helen be kidnapped in uh, yeah, neighbors. I mean that was pretty cruel. Of course, yeah. it was. That was that yeah. was. Whew, yeah, touch and go for a while there. Yeah, yeah, I bet. Um, so I've been watching that and what I have started and I'll be honest probably won't finish and I was so <laughs> looking forward to this but I will not be finishing Inventing Anna the uh, Anna oh. Delvey Shonda Rhimes show that's arrived on Netflix which stars Julia Garner who I adore um, and I was really excited for kind of a snappy interesting true crime scandal show with that kind of yeah that kind of Shonda Rhimes snap to it like great dialogue kind of bombastic but fun performances and from what I've seen with the trailer I thought it was going to be really interesting and cool it's like it's biggest crime it's probably it's quite dull <laughs> like I'm I, I managed three 
episodes and they're an hour long each and I it just it got very diluted very very quickly um I know there's a reason why her accent is so bad like it's a really terrible kind of melange of I, I couldn't even begin to tell you but it's is supposed to be awful but it's so awful that it's incredibly distracting um it's just like a, a joke where the only person that gets the punchline is is perhaps Shonda Rhimes and <laughs> it's just yeah it's just yeah I could have forgiven him if it had that kind of almost like campness to it um which I kind of really enjoy but yeah I found I've I've just found it a little bit dull which is such a shame because I was really looking forward to that and it jumps around in time Jumps around. Oh, so out. Needlessly. <laughs> one of our one of our listeners messaged me about that on um, on Twitter, and I, try, I was trying to find her message, but she she predicted. She said, "You know, what do you think about the jumping around?" And it, and I had to start, did start watching, and I was thinking, "This is not necessary. This no. is not an example of you know necessary time jumping. Um, it could have been told chronologically. Yeah. May benefit have been being told chronologically. Yeah." And just shorter episodes. Yeah. Just tell that story in a in a more concise way yeah. where it would like be more electric and fun and kind of carry along in that. I know obviously what she did was terrible. I'm not condoning the actions of the person whatsoever, but you know, it had the capability to be fun and snappy mm. and more soapy even. I would have really enjoyed it. But it's just a just a little bit dull, to be honest. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. yeah. From what I've what I've seen so far, yeah, I've only like yeah, I'm just in the middle of the first episode, but yeah. Yeah. Maybe more Ryan Murphy-esque, may I? May Don't I? you dare. <laughs> I mean, you know, you want a bit more vivid, a bit more soapy. A bit over the top. A bit more over the top. A bit larger than life. A little bit of a little, little teaspoonful of Murphy. <laughs> <laughs> a sousson. <laughs> or maybe not. Devil. No, no. Um, I have been watching um, a few things. I'll try and be brief. <laughs> I don't know why. Um, first of all, Euphoria. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The weekly euphoria update. Yeah. The weekly Speaking euphoria. of Sophie and over the top. After the incredible um, drug episode, yeah. where she's the cold turkey episode, um, where Zendaya was incredible, was trying to trying to desperately trying to find her um, drugs, which was a tour de force, brilliant. And this, the, I think the follow up episode was really good as well because even though it, it was more of an ensemble, it got back in touch with other characters, mm. but still focused on her to some extent to start with and it didn't have gratuity it was completely gratuity free yeah. <laughs> gratuitousness free yeah um so there were no no gratuitous penises or um sex scenes yeah. uh, unless i'm very much mistaken and it just hung together and it made sense and what everyone and it was quite and it was quite dramatic and poignant Mm-hmm. Um, there was a whole re- re- some kind of resolution of the the um, filmed sex incident, horribly so, but yes, with underage yeah. character. All of that, all of that kind of was not fully resolved, but to some extent resolved yeah. um, in in a believable way. So I guess one ram- in, in this rambly way of saying is when it's really when it really is good and is trying not trying to impress and self-consciously be so extreme mm. it's it's brilliant it's kind of brilliant euphoria i think and so i think it's at its absolute peak right now um yeah if next couple of episodes who knows i haven't seen i haven't seen seven or eight but we'll see but i i do give it the kudos also someone someone pointed out and i think it's a really good point you forget it's adapted from an israeli original yeah. right <laughs> yeah that only lasted one series and i do wonder like what the fuck did he get from that he had to say it was adapted from a, a, an Israeli teen drama, basically. Yeah. I, thought, I mean, 
it could have been it could have been a version of Skins. It's quite similar to Skins in yeah. a lot of which I've mentioned many times before. But really, it's just one of many. I, I'm kind of amazed that he even bothered. I mean, good good on him for being honest enough to say this is inspired. This is an adaptation. Well, I imagine of, it probably sued him if he'd but not. But part of me wonders if he just made the show, would anyone have noticed? Like, yeah, that's is there true. anything actually specifically? I mean, I haven't seen the Israeli original, but from what I read, someone wrote a piece on it. Um, it's completely different. It's basically just a team job teenagers in Israel. Yeah, no, I don't, it's weird, isn't it? It's strange. But no, um, it was it was a good episode. Um, Common Domingo, I love him. He yes. is great. Um, I'll watch him in absolutely anything. Um, and he is sort of weaving his way back in again, and that that made me. He happy. is. He, he's phenomenal, and also. Um, just actually, the, the acting generally, I think, is phenomenal. Yeah, like Jacob Lord Nate, who is the you know the 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 objectionable bastard who's keeping this whole thing you know kind of ticking along in terms of like the bad guy, if you mm. like. So he Jacob, he's brilliant in that role, and I think this episode particularly showed it. The scenes with his mum, it opens mm. with scenes with his mum. They're drinking together. Um, he's drinking whiskey and she's drinking wine. I thought it was fantastic. <laughs> she's brilliant as well. Yeah, that was um, something completely new that they'd yeah. done that didn't have to rely on like hyper stylization to actually exactly. get a message yeah. across. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I thought that was great. Yeah. He's, uh, it's interesting, you know, the Asian Mind film that's coming out because I didn't realize Sam Levinson wrote the screenplay for that. I'm so excited about this. And with he's, Ben Affleck. Yeah. Yes. That horrible trailer. I mean, we're straying into film territory here, but that... that. It's going to be its debut. It's going straight to Amazon Prime. Yeah. 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 But he's... So Jacob, uh, he's in it. Oh, I'm so excited about this because I am a huge fan of the cheesy erotic thriller. Bring on an Adrian line. The whole thing is absolutely thrilling to me. (laughs) Um, So yeah, I can't wait for that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's kind of TV because, I mean, it's on Prime Video. James. (laughs) Yes. Yes, Yes. Elsewhere, I wanted to mention Cheaters... Uh-huh. Now, this is a show... About cats. No. This is a show that, you know, in every respect, apart from the fact that each episode is only 10 minutes long, we may well have ended up, we may well should have reviewed, um, but we didn't because, and I think partly because when it was, I didn't know it was coming on, and, um, but each, yeah, it's this show, it started already on BBC One, it's all available on iPlayer, they air it after this is going to hurt, because this is going to hurt, it's 45 minutes each episode, so afterwards they show ep- an episode of this show, Cheaters, and then they show a couple of more, and they're doing this mm. BBC One kind of on a weekly basis, but it's really, really good. It's basically got Susan Wacoma in it, who is fucking brilliant in everything she does. And the whole, the kind of, the, the device is, she, they're snowed in in a Scandinavian country at the airport. She ends up meeting a guy. They have sex. Um, she's married. He's in a long-term relationship. This is not, well, it's a, okay. I'm, I'm, the, the first episode ends with a big twist, which is that, I'm going to spoil it, but it's kind of the whole the whole device of the series. And there's like 18 episodes, 18, 10 episodes, which is that it ends up that they both live opposite each other on the same street. Ah! And so they then have to kind of deal with the fact they've had this fling and then what's going to happen, how it affects their, their relative partners. And it's really well done. It's really funny. It's kind of really well observed, really well written, beautifully made and directed. And it's in, the, and it's in these 10 minute kind of, you know, little episodes. But it kind of works in that format. Um, you know, it could have been in half hour episodes, I guess, but there's something about it that, that each episode is a nice little gem mm. um, that works really well. So that's good. And, and uh, quite a few people have mentioned that to me on Twitter and I fully agree with them that's really good cheaters bbc and finally the kanye documentary james <gasps> have you uh, genius uh-huh. it's dropping <laughs> don't look at me like that it's dropping on a weekly basis on the netflix have you watched any of it Beth? no i haven't 
It's the first episode is fucking brilliant. I have to say, is it actually? yeah, it's God. really good. It's, right. What if you have little to no interest in Kanye West? I mean, as an aficionado of um, popular culture as you uh-huh. are, you should probably be aware of it because <laughs> it is a big thing, and he is a, a, a huge force in the world for, for good or ill. But what the remarkable thing about it? So it's made by these guys who've known him for years and years and years, literally since he was a kid. And so they've got this footage that they've been fil- they've been filming him from about his early 20s onwards. So it's like a stealth Richard Link- whole, Linklater film. It's like a stealth Richard mm. Linklater film. And you have this, and, he, and it basically his, his story, to simplify it, is that he was absolutely desperate to make it as a um, performer, as a, as a writer, performer, a rapper, etc. And he was he started out was he got work as a producer, but he wanted to be the singer, the star, the rapper, etc. And that transition from the one to the other was really difficult. He found really, really difficult. And people didn't want to know. Mm. And people rejected him. Um, and there's footage of him walking the corridors of the record company, literally trying to show to like secretaries that he's talented and can rap and can sing. And trying to knock on knocking on the doors of the the boss of these record companies and trying to get them and they're like, no we don't want to deal with you, you lunatic, and why are you being filmed? <laughs> and so he's got all of this incredible footage of him being rejected, essentially. Wow. You've got footage of him with his beloved mother, and his mum is f- fantastic and with him, and she's so proud of him, even at, at every stage, like yeah. of how far he's getting. And then you've got footage of him now, recently, kind of, and the footage of him now, it opens with footage of him now, which is extraordinary, of him being a complete bell end, And the director's <laughs> kind of wanting to save him from himself, going, I don't think you, you should do that. You don't tweet that bullshit right-wing conspiracy theory thing that you're about to tweet. And so it's kind of dealing with everything that makes him a fascinating, kind of contradictory, difficult, you know, possibly bipolar, all of this kind of stuff, all all this stuff. And it's just extraordinary amount extraordinary I haven't used that word for at least a week it is if I mean if, even if you're tangentially interested in him James I know uh-huh. you're not but, but it is a, and it's really well put together and fascinating and it's a huge this goes thing. against my fundamental rule against inviting bellends into my home which is yeah. you know I, I struggle with that <laughs> I think it's a gigantic bellend don't get me wrong I can't stand his whole you know I mean Trump supporting I mean all of that but all of that and all of that is included in this mm. you know he's, he's, he, all of that is, is absolute bullshit and he's a and he's a complete egomaniac horrendous but what you show how charming, actually, and funny and engaging he was when he was younger, particularly. The, the footage of when he was young, he's such a sweet, interesting, funny guy. And some of that is still there to the, now. But it's just fascinating. It's really, really fascinating as, as a kind of study, character study of this massively popular, influential figure. And is, how many parts is it? Three, Three parts. parts. And mm. F, um, Netflix is putting out weekly. I haven't. I didn't even ask for screeners to be honest. I'm sure they would have given them to me. But So I'm watching it live. You want to be part of the conversation. Oh, <laughs> fuck off. <laughs> I didn't reach out to them. <laughs> to get screeners because I wanted to be part of the conversation James. Yeah, yeah. but it, so it's airing weekly arriving I think Wednesdays on Wednesdays so the second one um, should be there and then the third will be next week okay have yeah. either of you watched any more of Station Eleven? No, I forgot. <laughs> I clean forgot but I have every intention of coming back to it what? No, no. It? The only reason I bring it up is because someone mentioned something, and they were surprised we didn't bring it up when we were talking about it. When we were talking about how discombobulating it is that it kind of yanks you back and forth like an elastic band tonally, mm. and they were like, "Well, obviously in the US, of course, it, it aired in pairs. That you would get uh, one 
set in one time frame and one set in the other time, and they would be aired back-to-back on the same night. So you'd get them in little double doses. And I was like, well, that makes so much more sense. I did actually know that, but had completely forgotten it. But that's not how it's aired over here, is no. it? So no. No help to me whatsoever, no. though, to be but, honest. But th- I thought that was a really interesting, because of course that's a better way of viewing it. Because then you, you doesn't feel quite so much like you don't know what you're doing. Because you, I've got this, mm. I've, got my, I've got my starter, and I've got my main course here. And that is my... Station Eleven instalment, and I get another one next week. Like that—that seems like I don't understand if that's how they clearly designed it. Why they did? Are you sure they're not doing that that way this year? Are we double check that? Are you sure? Oh, I'm just—I'm just making it up. Yeah. I'm sure. I'm. Sh- because I we get sure the screeners of that, and I, I was watching. I just watched them via the via the. So we don't know. We think it may have I screened think it like might. that. I don't Maybe know. it did. Find out. Find out. Someone find out. How do we find how out? How necessarily we watch it? Well, certainly not that's how we watch it. Only a small percentage of how a lot of people will watch it, I imagine. Well, I guess most people would watch it kind of on demand as and when they want exactly. to. Exactly. Um, and surely it would work better. Oh, I don't know. It's just not a very malleable way of doing it, is it? No, really? but I quite like that idea because obviously, you know, whether they're streaming or not, a lot of these shows do drop week by week. But if you drop two each week, then maybe that does encourage you to watch them back to back. I don't have the fucking time. Two hours. <laughs> <laughs> you know, fucking annoying it is. I have to watch an hour. An hour and 20 minutes to the Gilded Age. I'm going to watch two hours. You're not going to put a gun to my head and make me watch two hours. Oh, uh, do you know what? This is making me like the show less again. Fair, I'm not going to finish it. To be fair, I've just, looked, I've, just, I've just looked it up and it does say new episode every Sunday. Episode. Okay, so yeah. one a week. So yeah, they is, fucked it is what we're saying. Oh, okay. It's with these streamers have their own, you know, ways of doing things. And, and you know, it goes from Netflix obsession with dropping everything yeah. to Apple, Apple does do stuff week to week. Three yeah. in well, a, they, they tend to do, yeah. do a little splurge at the beginning yeah. and then do it then week they do week. It, yeah. yeah, it's just odd how they all have their own kind of different ways of doing it. The splurge at the beginning makes sense to me because sometimes it takes yeah. more than one episode to get you hooked. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I get that. But yeah, no, this is interesting. But but whoever it was, and I've forgotten who it is, whoever it was who pointed that out on Twitter to me, uh, yes, it was a very good point. Very good point. Uh, but that's not what I've been watching this week. I plan to, but I haven't. Mm. Uh, I've been watching a lot of one of the shows that we'll be talking about later on. But uh, what have I watched this week? I watched, obviously, the most recent episode of Star Trek Discovery. Star Trek Discovery Return to Pluto TV or whatever it is, but more importantly to iTunes. Um, I'll be honest, I'm still not, still oh, not, dear. still not got me. Oh, I'm still bored. And and stuff Bored. is now happening. Like there's 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 progress, but it was just a bit dull. And I do wonder whether the move to the future, which I heralded as a kind of bold move, if you will, for this show, has just kind of killed the show for me because it just feels so aimless. Like it doesn't feel like I don't know. I'm. It, they are definitely going somewhere. Like they, they do this sort of like they're weekly episode going thing. They're boldly going somewhere. <laughs> but they have they have an overarching up. But it feels like a very gentle kind of like. Do you care? No. And I I know it's about the fate of all the life in the universe. But it still feels, given that it is about all life in the universe being wiped out, it feels weirdly low stakes. I don't know why. <laughs> but I'm not invested at all in whether all life in the universe continues or not because they do it in such a boring way. And look, maybe it's just me. Uh, it's possible. Um, but I, I feel like Discovery has mm. lost me. Because Picard's going back, isn't it? Going that yes. Picard is set Picard's in going back in time. century Earth. Yeah, that's right. Which is going to yeah. be good for the budget, I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah that's right. You know, it limits the uh, sets they have to yeah. put together. Um, um, but that's an interesting decision. Yeah. Well, the thing is that, I mean, uh, like Picard took some shit season one from some quarters for being a little bit too fan servicey, nostalgic y, mm. uh, which I really liked, obviously. And obviously, if you look at this, he's going back in time 
there's the Borg. So like, this feels a lot like Star Trek First Contact. Plus you're throwing Q as well and Guinan's in it. So it, yeah, I think it's it's pulling on those same nostalgic chains. But I, I yeah, I'm 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 really really psyched about Picard and wildly indifferent to new episodes <laughs> of Discovery. Okay. So make of that what you will. Walking Dead also very excited that that yes. is returning. Um, I've seen the first couple of the new series and I I like it lots. I'm I'm no. very invested in the Walking Dead at the moment. Again, it's the only one I watch. I don't watch Fear the Walking Dead. I don't watch well beyond even though i think that's now finished but um yeah like this this main series is really good some some things wrong footed me i was surprised by a couple delighted by some less so by others but but i liked it a lot so walking dead good okay. happy with that uh, and that's roughly speaking all i've watched this week so have you finished station 11 or not i have not i've no. not come back to it but i am going to have some tv watching time uh next week because I'm going on a flight, so I think I will watch hold on, a where decent the, where amount. The yeah, then. yeah. Just just buckle yeah. in for hold this, on. Boyd, because yeah. it's uh, hold on. Come it's on, fucking annoying. No, so so no, so I, no. I don't feel that I should be like so. Okay, so when this podcast goes out, I will be. I would be on a trip, like a work-related trip. As to where? Like I a, mean, like in a the work trip, like a, like a work possible, thing. just like a work thing. Terms. Yeah, like like work. Where? Just like I don't know, you know, just like America. Just you know, just like like like. Orlando, maybe. Oh, and you've got this fucking Orlando Universal. No, no, studios. this is this is Star Wars. It's the you know the new Star Cruiser in thing. World, yes, boy. in Disney World. Oh, yeah. fuck's sake. Yeah. I'm and do you know what I'm looking forward to? Given that he made me dial in on my holiday from New York, is him getting up at whatever ungodly hour he has to get up in Orlando to to zoom in or whatever with us, so we can do the pilot. I'll be back by then. Well, yeah, I'll fleeting is this visit? Like, it's you pretty go, fleeting, actually. Yes, you're going uh, to Florida for like two just days. a couple of days. Yeah, just a couple of days. Oh, couple yeah. of days. So jealous. Theme park, come back, pilot. Oh, it's the perfect week. Bastard. It's going to be great. Okay. Yeah. No, so, uh, so, yeah. so what I'm saying is I'm doing this really for you guys because, <laughs> because you know, this is the only way that I can... I'm so lucky, but... Yeah. Yeah. I can sit down for a, a, a you know, drawn-out period of time and just watch all the TV yeah, shows. I'm so really I'm glad you specified you've so got the nine-hour flight to Florida yeah, exactly. to, to watch so, some TV. So I will so glad. Station Eleven, yeah. hopefully. Uh, among, I've got a list wet. of all, all these other things I'm going to watch as well. Uh, I'm quite excited about it. I do love a flight. I do love a flight oh, when same, you're forced yeah. to do literally nothing yeah. but yeah. watch television for Completely. like eight hours it's my favourite I will be sitting next to Chris Hewitt so that may be a distraction How, we'll wait a minute how's Chris going as well and uh, Helen I, I, <laughs> yeah look I'm not saying yeah. it's a pod holiday what but <laughs> the actual yeah. fuck yeah it's the, it's the Empire podcast Absolute abroad joke. it's what like the in-between us in Ibiza but it's the Empire podcast in Orlando fucking Jake what can what can we wangle from we probably go to Corrie we're, we're, we're Empire we're em, you're an Empire staff I'm yeah, an Empire contributor no, so we should be getting these we fucking things as well what can we we should try and wangle something some sort of LA studio totally thing. oh please yeah. like, you're, boy you're probably like in Vermont with Russell Tovey or something aren't Sadly, you sadly so? I'm not in, in the fucking Vermont in anywhere with anyone no furious I'm very jealous oh, well good for you good for you guys <laughs> I made up for you well thanks I'm absolutely thanks thrilled much. for you yes <laughs> yes uh, so yeah any, any other TV shows you would wish to mention? Have you finished anything Not else? to you, no. No, not no. to you. Okay, fine. No. <laughs> right. Well, I guess that is that then. Shall we move on to this week's listener question? Uh, and this one isn't even so much a question. This one's quite unorthodox, to be honest. So uh, Amy West, Amy West, who is an entertainment journalist that we know very well, tweeted last week, what are everyone's top five Netflix original shows? And our very own Sophie Butcher replied with her own wrong choices. And... Uh, <laughs> 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 and uh, sorry, Sophie. And um, 
One of our listeners, Annika Ruff, mentioned that this should be a Pilot TV listener question. So I thought, what better way to address it than here on this show? Uh, Boyd says the OA at the end. Right, thank you for that listener question. <laughs> Let's I mean, move on. <laughs> yeah, effectively. I've got a list of 11. I haven't... <laughs> That's not how it works. Boyd's top 11 shows. I'm a busy shows. man. I haven't right. had time to right. kind of edit them down to. But I've got one question for yes. you, though, because um, it was specified quite rightly that this is Netflix originals. Originals, yes. But right... So let me just say this, though. Breaking Bad... Yeah, that's which, not a Netflix original. Okay, but that actually started it on other channels in the UK and then ended yeah. up on Netflix. But Better Call Saul, Better Call Saul, has never been on any other outlet apart from Netflix in the UK. I'm saying... In the UK, though, it's an AMC show, I know it? it's an AMC so it's show, not an, but... And, but this is this, we're into the whole nomenclature thing, aren't we? Because <laughs> they call these things Netflix original, yes. Amazon original, Sky original. None of these fucking things are their originals. It's just shit they have on. Yeah. Whereas I kind of think they have to have financed it and made it, like, that should be the rule. I think they it? do finance Better Call Saul to some extent. Though. Do they? I think so. Mm. To some of, I'm slightly Better making it up, but in, in, the, in the depths. Anyway, I, if Better Call Saul is is valid, then it's definitely in my. T- well, top it wouldn't five. be on my list anyway because I still haven't properly watched it. Yeah, um, so right, I do yeah. need to because it's finishing. It's like yeah, it's, it's finishing really yeah. that was, and I need to really catch up with it before we don't it want to ends. Spill over into news, but they did announce it's coming with the the, the launch day and. Yep. Mini kind of trade the things and lots of and there's yeah. better watch Saul. That's my uh, that's my current current thing. Very good, yeah, yeah. very good, yeah. James. But yeah. you're absolutely right. The OA is definitely number one. <laughs> I mean, the OA is the greatest thing on Netflix ever. It's hard to disagree. Yeah, it's hard to disagree. Um, my other contention. So, so they cancelled it, obviously. But carry yeah. on. <laughs> the um, the Queen's Gambit. Oh, I hadn't thought of that. That's not a bad show. Yeah, which was a limited series. Yeah, yeah, right. that's a good show. I think I was the one person that didn't love this. You show. didn't love it. Oh. It was another one, and you know what the fucking problem was? Too fucking long. Eight hours. <laughs> eight hours of that show. I thought that was... It took so I don't think it actually was eight hours. I think you, it felt like eight hours for you, clearly. <laughs> I on. think it was less than that in the end. Well, they weren't hour-long episodes, were they? So possibly They not. varied. But, but we're now reaching for our... But did you watch any of the Netflix Marvel shows, which are leaving Netflix soon, I saw? Yeah, Jessica Jones, I absolutely love. But really, because that was... Checks notes. 147 <laughs> hours long. So um, no, it was how many seasons? Seven thirteen. It was 13 hours long. It, it was Jessica long. Jones. Mm. I watched the first. Well, 13 episodes. Season was it 13? 13. All, most of all those of Marvel those Marvels were 13, 13 episodes, and then they cut them down to yeah. 10. Well, uh, they did. They did. So the Defenders was, I think, six or eight, wasn't right. it? And that was the only one that didn't feel really laboured. But they did like the Daredevils, the Luke Cages, the yeah. Jessica Jones. Yeah. Like, wasn't I think Punisher as well? Was Punisher as well? Or was Punisher ten? I can't remember. But they're thirteen episodes, and they all ran out of steam around episode eight. It all of them. Okay. Well, what I mean to say then is that the Queen's Gambit felt like it was <laughs> yeah. eight hours long. I mean, it's seven to be fair to you. Didn't yeah. need to be seven to eight hours. You didn't long, want to watch so. someone playing chess for seven hours. You no, were just like, yeah. I didn't. As much as I love Anya Taylor Joy, I just didn't want to see close-ups of her face over chessboards. <gasps> I really loved it. I, I know it, yeah, a I lot it. of people did, and I just, I just thought it was okay. 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 Yeah. Well, that I think that would be my top five. The other one, there's another limited series that okay. def- I think is Midnight Mass. Yeah. And it, it was just Good between chance. that or um, The Haunting of Hill House. The second one went awry, didn't it? That, which he wasn't really um, in, fully in charge of, didn't really work on that. Well, Bly Manor. Yeah, Bly Manor. Bly Manor was, was yeah. 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 But The Haunting yeah. of Hill House was fantastic mm. as well. But I do think The Haunting of Hill, of Hill House, in the end... I didn't know. I mean, actually, I, I love the last episode, but I think it's amazing. It's amazing. But Midnight Mass was a stunner. Yeah. I think even more kind of daring. But it didn't scare me, whereas, uh, whereas Hill House yeah. scared the shit out That's of me. That's true. That's true. Hill House was more of a scary horror, proper horror. Um, 
But Midnight Mass is just a fucking masterpiece, I think. Mm. Yeah, I, the thing is, Midnight. You're right. Midnight Mass is a masterpiece. But all I'm going to say to you is, Bent Neck Lady, like that's the Bent yeah. Neck oh, Lady God, is, is the yeah. the piece de resistance yes. of Hill House, and it's it's yeah, that incredible. was astonishing. That was astonishing. Um, Stranger Things, I think. Yeah, sure. I mean, I have fond memories of Stranger Things because I did go to on set of Stranger Things. There we Beth, go. Go on um, for uh, Pilot TV slash Empire. When is um, going to be in my Georgia? Time? When is my go? Soon, I need to lead the censor. Yeah. Um, so that was really thrilling, and um, certainly to begin with, it was really it was even though it was completely influenced by Spielberg and all those things and Poltergeist and all those that kind of eighties vibe. Mm. Um, it, in the way it did, it felt original and new and fresh. Certainly the first couple of seasons. Yeah. Um, um, and I, even the last, uh, there's bits. I, I enjoyed pretty much every episode, and I think it's spectacularly well made and scripted. And it's become, I hate the word to use, but I'm going to use it, iconic. Um, Eleven, you know, all of that stuff. Mm. So I think it would be in my top five. I think I'm pretty sure, and I can't wait for the new series. Then I'm looking at things like Russian Doll. Mm. That's a name. Squid Game. Yeah. The Crown. No. No, sex education. <laughs> um, yeah. Sex education for me would be number two. Right. Genuinely number two. Yeah. I, I think it's I a masterpiece. I can't get over your love of that show. I, I love that great. show so much. I went on a bit of a tear on Twitter, actually, uh, while I was off, because that's the kind of thing that I do, um, about sex education as a, as a concept. Like I got a bit, I, I can't remember. I think I read a piece in The Guardian. They were talking about how uh, like kids are learning all about sex from porn and it's horrifying. It's a great and, oh, yeah. I saw your, yeah. your thread about that. That was yeah. very. Uh... It, was a, it was a really good piece mm. that was written. I can't remember who the journalist was, but it was very good. Thank you very much. Uh, and it was uh, it was a really really interesting piece. But one of the things I was talking about the thread was that you know the fact that people don't talk to their kids about this stuff. Schools syllabuses are a little bit sort of vague, so kids the ubiquity of porn means the kids are learning the stuff from frankly misogynistic awful stuff. Mm. Um, not to go all Daily Mail on you, but you know what I mean. Like it's not yeah. it's not what I would describe as a reliable instructor of sex. Mm. Um, and someone pointed out the sex education as a series is in fact all of those things because it tackles the gamut of all sorts of the sexual gamut? orientations the gamuts gamuts well it, it's, it, it covers all sorts of things put yeah. it that way like from anal douching to whatever else you want and, no but it does <laughs> Virginia, like, it I, have, I have learned I things from watching sex education and the fact that they are that. not coy about it they're not shy about it they're not puritanical about it but they're also not salacious about it there's an ease with which sex education covers all these yes. topics yeah. and yes. it's so light hearted and I just think the tone is magnificent it's not preachy it's not melodramatic it, it's just glorious. Did you see? We're, this, we're slightly in danger. I'm slightly in danger of um, doing it last week and making this a freeform um, structured <laughs> podcast. But did you see the New Yorker article this week where they got four journalists to talk about sex scenes in film and TV and what it means now for and you know, whether like that basically that there are fewer unscientifically fewer sex scenes in films mm. these days. And in fact, that with thing we mentioned earlier, that film coming up, the erotic thriller coming up, Adrian Lyon, Ben Affleck, is one is a, a rare example. They do there's a mini comeback. But on TV, there are loads of sex scenes. But they t- and this, these four, frankly, doofuses um, <laughs> um, discussing sex scenes in, sh- in shows like Euphoria. Mm. And they talk about the gratuitous dicks and all of that, and and they talk about girls. They did not mention sex education in this l- epic, lengthy debate yes. about the nature of sex scenes in current in modern day current television. And I'm like, the clues in the title, you know, sex education. This is the show you yeah. should be talking about, and it contradicts all of their little mini annoying theories. And it, by the way, it's such a weird, it's classic piece of American this is American journalism. Like, it's 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 a verbatim. 
you know, um, discussion among these four journalists. And they don't even cut things out like where they're pausing to try and remember an actor's name and something. They'll oh go, oh, can you remember that guy's name? And they'll include that in this, in this article. I'm like, you don't need to make it that you know, clear. There are moments where you don't know what you're talking about. It's really stupid. It's really stupid. Um, so that's a, as a side point. But yes, I completely agree with you. Search education, mm-hmm. the way it deals with all that is fantastic. Yeah. And believable. So yeah, it should, that should probably, I think I kind of agree it should be in my top five. I'm a huge fan of Lupin, though. I yeah. love Lupin, particularly the second chunk of episodes. It's one of the most just like, just stupendously enjoyable things. So that would be a contender. I think I've named all the... Oh, and do you know the final one that would be a contender? Sensei. I loved Sensei, the Wachowskis. Funny enough, that's one that, uh, that Sophie put down. She really likes that. I watched all of Sensei, <laughs> but there was an element of... It was one of these... Because bear in mind, this was quite early on, yeah. really, in terms of Netflix originals. Yeah. So it was one of these, I've started so I'll finish type things. Mm. But I found it very boring. Did you? Oh, that said, like... Props to the kind of mass 3D psychic group sex yes, orgy things exactly. that they have. Like, I mean, some of it was just so audacious. Like, who is having a kind of an astrally projected psychic orgy in a nightclub? Like, it's like, this is nuts. They are, yeah. So, yeah, exactly. I was yeah, there for I mean, that. that yeah, but the conspiracy stuff was a bit lame. Like, it didn't really yeah, hang it's together. still better than Matrix Resurrections. Or I mean, what isn't? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but they will be my concerns. But I think in the end, I'm going to write, I'm going to narrow it down to the OA, Queen's Gambit, Midnight Mass. Stranger Things and Sex Education, probably. Yeah, that's a yeah. nice mix. Okay, that's a nice mix. Um, yeah, Russian Doll and Sex Education. I'm I'm going next, by the way. Uh, <laughs> Carry on. <laughs> Russian Doll and Sex Education, both on my Russian Doll. Just I I wanted a really great role for Natasha Kakaroch. <laughs> Kakaroch. Kakaroch. Um, <laughs> And and she got it with this. I think she was one of the best things in Orange is the New Black, which was almost on my list, but it lost its way, which was a it. shame. Yeah, yeah. no, mm. I, I stopped after a point. And I think they made like valiant efforts to refresh the writer's pool and things, but by then I was I was just a little bit over it. Uh, but she's absolutely fantastic. I cannot wait for the second season of that. Um, my darling, darling Glow is on there, obviously. <laughs> that was, you can go away. That was <laughs> one of my favourite shows in the same sort of light as Orange is the New Black that you... <laughs> even though they made a real deal of it that you didn't necessarily associate characters' race and sexual orientation or anything with their storylines or their traits as a person. And obviously they did that with their wrestling personas and that was seen as quite shocking and awful, but like played out really well. I was just, I was gutted when this was um, cut. I've spoken about it many times on this podcast, but I think Netflix really did a doozy on on that show and I you know that very paper thin argument that people wouldn't be still interested in it now like I really do think especially some of the fucking spill they put out like I would have still watched it so Glow is on there mm. and Breakable Kimmy Schmidt I loved um, so much yeah. um, that just one of those comedies where again you know I love a relentless joke count and that hmm. one just leaves me gasp in every every episode so I loved that uh, there's a comedy show I'm just not even looking at James uh, another comedy show called I Think You Should Leave which is a sketch show with him um, yes. Robinson yes. absurdist strange hilarious comedy at its finest I think obviously Dave Chappelle's special side they're very good with comedy they're very mm. um, adventurous and do some really cool stuff with that um, 
And a special shout out to an, <laughs> an animation, uh, Tukra and Bertie, which is what I was talking to wonderful Tiffany Haddish about in our Balls to the Wall interview. Um, it was an animated show from one of the character designers from Bojack Horseman. Um, she did her own spin-off show, Tukra and Bertie. Tiffany Haddish and Ali Wong and Stephen Yun did the voice cast and it was absolutely brilliant of course they cancelled it after one season and now it lives on adult swim but that first season is really great deals with things like sexual trauma and toxic friendships and codependence and kind of has a me too storyline all all told for this like beautifully imagined animated world called i think it's just called bird world i can't really remember it's Mm -hmm. amazing Special shout-outs to you, Converti. I imagine most of those were on your yeah. list, James. Yes, so. yes, all of those. That is, in <laughs> fact, identical to my list, Beth. So that's uh, uh, that's nice. Um, no, no, you know, I, I like some of those shows. That's good. Uh, uh, what would be in mind? So number one, Warrior Nun. Uh, number two, Fate the Wink Saga. Number No, I'm kidding. Uh, but <laughs> neither of those would probably make my top ten, but I do enjoy both of them. I don't know what happened to Warrior Nun. We were supposed to get more Warrior Nun. We were supposed to get more Winks as well. Where's the Winks? <laughs> Um, they're on their way. I'm sure they'll be on their way, won't they? I, I expect mean, one a year, Netflix. Come on. Oh, that, uh, one a year is old school. It's all it's 18 months. At give least me, now give me my Warrior Nun and my Fate the Wink saga. Is that literally in your top? Is that actually in your top <laughs> no, five? Oh, okay. No, but I do enjoy it. Yeah. Um, you know, things like Shadow and Bone that I enjoy. That's also not mm, in my no. top ten. No. no, I would, I would probably put in mine uh, the OA, obviously at number one because it's a masterpiece. Sex Education would be at number two. Then I think we are into Haunting of Hill House, Midnight Mass, the kind of Mike Flanagan territory. Witcher obviously would be up there for me would it really of course of course mm-hmm. toss a coin to the witcher wow um stranger things is probably on my list i'm not quite sure where squid game is on there as well arcane would be on my list actually oh, yeah. um love yeah. a bit of arcane wow. so you know yeah. who knew yes <laughs> but yeah that's up there queen's gambit good shout mind hunter mind hunter capital oh letters. my god um, you've actually made a very good point there my, yes. i love mind hunter it's all caps brilliant always all caps. all caps we got a note from netflix about that please when referring to mind hunter yeah all caps yeah oh, i really love mind hunter and in fact i've watched I've watched it multiple times. Some of the episodes, I think, are absolute masterpieces. Mm. Yeah, it's very, yeah, that's very good. A very good it's point. very, very good. There's one particular moment uh, where Groff is in the room with Kemper, and he yeah. realizes that he's alone in the room with yes. him, and he's unrestrained. And Kemper is a physically very imposing brutal serial killer and just because they've been very convivial with each other it's that moment where you just think oh shit yeah. and it's just like and just oh it's so tense yeah, it's so tense done, yeah, but magnificent done, yeah. great show um, You is a guilty pleasure I'm not gonna lie um, it, would it be one of the best shows it's a no. massive pleasure yeah but it is. it is a lot of fun how about this a friend of mine a friend of mine is gonna work he's working on the next series oh yeah. really yeah he's writing the script he he, he, um, he on uh, Instagram last night he he showed the script that he is writing he's <laughs> so excited yeah I mean, he should probably lose his job for that. <laughs> no, no, no. He must have got permission. He got permission. Um, he just, he just put, you know, the front. It's four whatever it is. Um, yeah, that's great. Shout out to Leo Richardson. Yeah, okay. he's 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 a Brit. He went to America to to carry on writing scripts, and he's now writing episodes of You. I think it's brilliant. So that is exciting. exciting. Um, what else would be on my list? I mean, early House of Cards I enjoyed. I know we're not House supposed to Cards, like House of Cards anymore. At its height, but, was fucking brilliant. Yeah, it really was. It went off the boil and it, it never did. came back. And so. it's really difficult to watch anything with that fucking bell end in it. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, it's hard, isn't it? Well, I just, so I, I, like, I've always maintained this. I tend to separate the artist from the Oh, I do as well. Like, it doesn't, but like, I can watch the usual suspects, it doesn't bother me. But yes, there is something about House of yes. Cards in particular. Oh, and I think because of that Christmas video he did, yeah. defending oh. himself in character oh, yes, as, fr- as Frank Underwood, I was like, oh, now you've what? ruined House of Cards Complete- for me now. Oh, I can watch <laughs> Baby Drive Up 7, yeah. you know. I can watch yeah. shows with him in it, but, but just that not that. Yeah, okay, that. that's fair. Yeah. That is fair. Yeah, that's, that's not good. Um, also, like, from a Marvel point of view, I would say seasons one, and three of Daredevil so the Kingpin seasons of Daredevil were both were very good too long but very good they mm. didn't need to be 13 episodes that was an absolute folly uh, and the season one of Jessica Jones which is exceptionally good season two is dreadful but season one of Jessica Jones was, was magnificent with David Tennant of course yeah you're right uh, which yeah, tackled all kinds of he kind was of, really good but yeah. it's just the way it dealt with like the idea of consent and mm. sort of just that character terrifying yeah but it was also very good and far too long um, I can't think of any others we might have covered them all I think we have, yeah. Right. Well, that is the, I don't know, can we call this a question? That is the section of something that I stole off Twitter. Uh, if we you, should do this every week. We should, next week we should do Prime Video, Amazon Prime. Yeah. Do one on each one. Yeah, Apple TV Plus. This will keep us going for months. All right, well, fine. For what, what, will be, what will be your top Prime ones go? Right, The Expanse, number one. Oh, no, we can't do it now. No, no. Without any preparation. No, Come on, we'll number two. For... What would it be? Bosch. Yeah, Bosch. <laughs> the Expanse and Bosch. I mean, Reacher already. Oh, Reacher. yeah, Reacher's great. Yeah. Absolutely yeah. already. I do love a bit of Reacher. Yeah, it's Maybe. fantastic. Maison, Maison. Reach was a series I finished and I completely forgot. That was that, and I absolutely loved it. Did yeah. you do it like in a day? Like did you? Just I did it in about. It? I did it in two days. Yeah, same. Yeah, yeah. yeah. so pleasurable. so much fun. Yeah, really. I mean the flashbacks are dreadful, but completely. <laughs> Fuck the flashbacks. <laughs> but Please the show is great. Flashbacks. Yeah, but yeah. it's. I loved it. Yeah, yeah, it was really that good. was a lot of fun. Yeah, uh, but the expanse would be in my number one prime one. Apple, oh Apple. Well, C is my favorite <laughs> thing on Apple. I'm just saying. Let's wait. Let's hold off. Don't do it now. We'll do. We're going to need questions. All right. In the near future. Fine. 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 We'll save these for another week <laughs> anyway if you have questions for us do send them to us via at pilot tv pod on social medias and we will pick them up there or rather sophie will and she'll send them to me right time now i think for this week's guest uh so Stephen knight has a cv as long as your arm having written the likes of spencer taboo Locke, eastern promises and the incomparable c on apple uh but more than any of that he's the man who made tweed and flat caps fashionable again by creating the cultural phenomenon that is working class brummy drama peaky blinders uh i spoke to Stephen last week to talk about the sixth and final season of the series uh and i might have mentioned c a bit Here's Stephen Knight. Thank you so much for joining me. It is a, a, a pleasure. Yes, a pleasure to talk to you too. I did have the opportunity, obviously, to speak to you and Killian for the magazine a while ago, which yes. I've really enjoyed an awful lot. Uh, and of course, I now have many, many other questions to ask you. And one thing that kind of stuck in my mind, if I can bring this up, is that um, I remember you saying uh, when we were talking about your process for doing this, that you literally just sit down and write. Yep. And is it what the Americans call pantsing, isn't it? It's pantsing as opposed to plotting. Just flying by the seat of your pants and just making Probably it up as you go along. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, it gives me anxiety literally just thinking of the prospect of doing that. I mean, have you always worked that way? Has that always been your process? And and how? <laughs> well, I mean, it, there was a time when, you know, when I was a younger writer, when I would pretend that I was planning everything and that I was, you know, that I was mapping it out and I yeah. knew where it was going to go and all that. And often, especially if you're doing film rather than television, you have to do a treatment and you have to say, this is what's going to happen. And I found it virtually impossible because a treatment is written by your conscious mind. You know, yeah. you, you, you think, well, that will happen, then that will happen. And you write it and you go, yeah, it's okay. And it's just what you'd expect. But when I sit down to actually write, I completely forget that and just write whatever 
whatever comes in, in that moment, and then read it and then say, okay, this is where this seems to be going. And, and that's always, I mean, that has always been um, what I've done. I mean, a, a, an example would be Eastern Promises when I wrote that. I didn't know that he was a secret police, that he was a policeman infiltrating the gang until a particular scene when he met a policeman. And I was writing it and, and just suddenly it was like, oh, she's a policeman as well. <laughs> That's genuinely Seriously. amazing. And then I had to go back and change bits. But I, tried, <laughs> I decided not to change too much because if I didn't know he was undercover, then no one else is going to know he was undercover. So that's an indicative example. I mean, I guess it makes it more interesting, the writing process, because you're oh, yeah. experiencing it as we do when we exactly. watch it. But does it also not, like, there must be a sense that you go and you think, right, this could be brilliant, this could be absolute garbage, there's no way yeah. to know until I hit it. Yeah, until you read it back, yeah. <laughs> and then you think, well, okay, that didn't work. Or, or, but, you know, sometimes I think if you trust whatever that thing is that you do, um, it, it, what it does, to, uh, I've said this before, it's, it is like dreaming where the most weird things happen. <laughs> and I think that that makes it more similar to real life, where everything is very weird. And, you know, fiction often straightens everything up and creates a pattern, and that person is like that, so they're always going to be like that. Yeah. Whereas in real life, everybody's a different character every five minutes, you know. So I, I, I like working on And as you say, it's more interesting to do. I think otherwise I'd get bored. Is it a process by which you think you have to really know your characters, though? I think more than yeah. like, rather than starting with like, right, I've got a kernel of an idea for a plot. Yeah. It's like you have to know these characters because if you don't know how they'll react, I guess you can't really write it, can you? It is exactly, exactly that. It's it's um, giving precedent to the character rather than the plot is the thing. Um, and you're right, you have to know what your character will say as a consequence of what the other character just said. Mm. Um, and let the di- and it is led by dialogue. I mean, my stuff is led by dialogue. Yeah, so it, it, that's where you find out what's going on and who. who- I just, I just love the idea of that. That you know, you sit down with Tommy and Polly, and you're like, okay, I'm interested to know what happens yet. You know, like, Tommy, tell me. <laughs> yeah, it, it is a bit like that. It is, it, and it is. As I say, the closest equivalent is like everybody dreams, and when you wake up and think about your dream, your dream never had exposition in it. Your dream never had an unconvincing line of dialogue, you know. So something in your brain can do that. It can process things that have happened that day and make them weird, but make them real as well. Does I mean, how does Peking compare to? I mean, you've written so many amazing things, but like Peking in particular is quite a personal project because obviously it draws on things yeah. from your background, your family, your parents, and stuff. Does that make it easier to write? Does it make it more difficult? Do you end up sort of like intellectualizing it more, or is it much more a sort of emotive? It is. It's much easier because. The actual world has a quality which is attractive. So, you know, if, if you're writing something contemporary set in, uh, I don't know, some, think of somewhere that's actually quite boring. If, 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 you're, if you're doing that, then you've got, to, you've got to make whatever happens incredible because the world is very familiar. But this already, the world is interesting, I think, and people look good and, um, it's all a bit heightened. So already, no matter what, it's already a, got a sort of a bit of shine to it. Mm. Uh, and then you've got to do whatever you can with what's going to happen. 
But it makes perfect sense. I remember when I first read that this was kind of the Birmingham that your kind of parents had remembered, because the yes. feel of, of Peaky's Birmingham does feel like almost like a child's eye view yes. of what this world would be. It's fantastical. It's huge. The horses are 10 feet tall. Yes. You know, it's everything's massive. Yes. It just makes perfect sense. It's absolutely, absolutely right, because it's, it's almost doubly mythologized, because they were kids when they witnessed it. And I was a kid when they told me. And so I just thought this was the most amazing place, this 1920s, 30s Birmingham was this incredible uh, place of drama, which it was actually. But, um, you know, the real garrison doesn't look like that. And, you know, <laughs> it wasn't really like that, but it's just the way that it was experienced by the people who told me about it. And I, the very first thing I ever thought was, it's got, it has to remain like that. Mm. It's got to be a myth. And it is, it's like, because you've got like the rain of ash, like you can almost smell the coal fire as you're walking through Small Heath. It's incredible. I mean, there was a thing I read actually recently, which just kind of blew my mind, was that the, it was the, was I think it was the first Peaky Blinders Festival, whatever it was. It was like all these people descended, like thousands of people, I think it was 15,000 people on Digbeth, uh, you know, wearing flat caps and tweed suits. Liam Gallagher was there. And it's just like, there must be a bit where you're just like, what the fuck is going on? I know, it is. I mean, it, it gets sort of more, Bizarre when it's Snoop Dogg and ASAP Rocky who you're sitting down with and they're just talking about the show and how they relate to it. How is this happening? But long may it continue. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, actually, speaking of that precise point about long may it continue, there was an interesting thought, because obviously we finished, this is season six, this is the final sort of season. Obviously, you're planning at least a movie afterwards. Yeah. Um, and we're speaking to Anthony Byrne, actually, a while back, and he was saying that you two discussed whether or not you wanted to do a season seven and that maybe had it not been for the pandemic, you know, yeah, you exactly. might have done more. Like, well, how did that all come about? Well, we lost a year um, because of the pandemic. And then um, as Helen's condition worsened, we realised that um, that was a factor as well. So that, that factored into the decision to, we, we can't do another like this because it wouldn't be, you know, so. Yeah. And so it's, you know, you've managed to sort of go out on a high, as it were, to sort of condense it down. And I think Anthony yeah. was also saying about, because you didn't know what was going to happen with the pandemic, you know, how how much can you delay the story before you, I said, essentially conclude yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there was a lot of, uh, a lot of rewriting and stuff yeah. as a consequence of, of all sorts of circumstances. Of course. But what seems to have happened is that the, the outcome is, well, we all think it's a different level now. So it's, it's, we, we're re- we really think it's the best one yet. Really? I mean, well, I've seen two episodes of this newest season. Yeah. I must say, like, it, you don't mess about just right from the off. You're, you know, you're right in there. Uh, and it's fantastic to have the show back. It really is. And it does feel like, you know, a show that has been, because obviously this doesn't, you know, Helen wasn't around to do this yeah. final season tragically, but you have kept her without spoiling, I think you've kept her present, like you feel Absolute, her presence yeah, there. Yeah. yeah. And for me, like as a fan, that's so essential because it isn't Piggy Blinders without Polly. No, and exactly. even though you don't have Polly, you do have her. Yeah. And was that sort of something that, that kind of came up organically or was that something you sort of thought about? Like, how can I make this work? No, I, again, I think it's, it's like when someone who's really powerful and strong and loved passes on, their echo lasts for a long, long time. For as long as people who knew that person are alive, they will be sort of alive, especially someone like Polly. So, yeah, it's just reflecting, you know, 
her influence on everything about the Beakies is still there. Yeah, no, she, I mean, she's incredible. That character is incredible. I just, there's so much about this show that I love. And and one thing that kind of actually stuck in my head, because you talk a lot about class, understandably, the show has class at the very heart of it. And I remember someone, some tedious person on the internet was banging on about some historical inaccuracy. And I remember you saying a really interesting thing about how, like, history books are unreliable with working yes. class history, which kind of blew my mind, because, of course, it is absolutely true, because that's not who's writing these history books. You know, no, for exactly. that, you've got to look at newspapers. You've got to look at uh, oral traditions. Exactly. Well, I, I mean, I think history books the nature of what historians do and what they have to do, I think, is that they look for patterns in what happened in order to sort of suggest that whatever happened was inevitable, you know, that these things happened and that happened and that happened. So obviously that happened. Whereas in reality, we know what life is like. Life's chaos and madness and, and anything could happen, you know. And so I think it, and newspapers is a good example because that's what happened yesterday and it's reported faithfully or it's reported. Um, and therefore, you get all this stuff that the history books never commented upon. You know, the, the Birmingham Mail has people standing up in the ball ring and talking about communism and being arrested and being put in prison for five years. Now, that's not in the history book, but that's what happened. You know, and, and so there is a really radical, different, radically different version of what really because it does, the show gives you a sense of sort of place and time, and it feels fresh and new because it feels like something you've not read about, you've not heard about, but it feels legitimate like it feel there's a truth to it that i think yeah absolutely comes through yeah. yeah and i mean especially in the most recent series obviously oswald mosley being a historical character and yeah. that's always an interesting one like you know in terms of writing for him how does that differ because you are taking a character who is historical and so you're trying to make what happens to him fresh like, i was a hundred percent like on tenthooks all the way through the assassination plot at the end of season five yeah. even though you know he doesn't get assassinated no, exactly. <laughs> But it doesn't matter because it feels different. Like he feels like he exists within this this slightly yeah. different world. It, I mean, it's interesting that uh, because of, you know to begin with, it starts in nineteen nineteen, and then we jump two years. The fact that what kept happening and keeps happening is that whatever was happening as a consequence of those jumps mm -hmm. was resonant with what's happening now, especially with nationalism, fascism, and, and I, when I started doing the research into Mosley and read his speeches where he's talking about Britain first. He's talking about fake news, fake press. Uh, you know, it, it was absolutely, I thought that if I put this in, that nobody, everybody's going to think I've just made it up yeah. to be, you know, resonant. But that's what he was saying. Because the weaponizing of misinformation, isn't it? It's like controlling absolutely. what is and isn't true. Yeah. It's a, yeah. uh, a tactic as old as time. Exactly. There are so many things I want to ask you about Peaky Blinders, but there is something I, so that I don't run out of time, I have to ask a very specific thing is this, that one of my favourite shows that I bang on about endlessly on our podcast is C, which is fucking magnificent. And <laughs> I, I just wanted to, to, to ask this, like literally, like how, that, how on earth did that come about? Like, did you come up with the idea? Did Apple come to you? Because it's batshit, but in the most genius way possible. Yeah. And I fucking love it. <laughs> Um, I was in um, I, I was in LA. I remember that, and I was in the Beverly Wilshire Hotel, and I woke up, and you know you don't get a lot of sleep with jet lag, <laughs> yeah. and I can't can't remember, but I just imagined, uh, and this was before, obviously, way before the pandemic, a virus that does something. Um, the first thought was, what about if there was a virus that made everybody better? Mm. What about if there was a virus that made everybody stronger? Do you know what I mean? Imagine that. that yeah. So that's one thought. But then I thought, what would what's the thing you would take? So I thought about taking away size, and then what would be the world 
after 500 years, how would it look? And I just thought it was quite interesting. And then that day, I'm, I was given a lift by a producer to somewhere. And I said, what do, you, what do you think of this? And that was the producer who eventually produced the show. It was like, have the idea at 9 a.m. and sell it at about 3 p.m. <laughs> <laughs> it was really good. I mean, it's I just everything about it, like literally, and also the names in it, like Baba Voss, Tamakti Jun, like the texture of it all is so great. Like genuinely, like was was that? Were you looking for something that felt sort of like grounded in Earth, but also different, alien enough that it would yes. feel like part of this? Because it's a fantasy, essentially. You know, it's future, yeah. it's part sci-fi, part fantasy. Yeah, it, it, and I wanted the idea that language had sort of eroded without the written word. Mm. So. The, just like a rock would erode, is that the things that were words that were or names that were one thing. And I think they're all based. I can't remember. They're all based on names that could have eroded in a certain way. So they're yeah. now sound like this, you know. Um, and except for Baba Voss, which is Turkish for father and Voss uh, voice, so father's voice. Yeah, it's it's. I remember watching the first episode because obviously it launched with Apple when Apple launched. This was one of their flagship yeah. launch shows. Yeah, and uh, I remember coming out of that and and um, and it was just like wank praying is a thing. Like yes. this, this this may be the single greatest thing that's happened on television. And I, I always think that it's not only did you just drop it in. This is you've just fucking leaned into this. Like even now, like the wank praying continues. <laughs> Why not? I mean, makes Sunday's morning really interesting. Well, it's because we talked about this. Like you, you, you've you. You've obviously been doing stuff for the BBC here with 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 Peaky, and then you're doing this with Apple. And one of the things that I've kind of found quite exciting about Apple as a streaming service is that they just seem to not give a shit. And I don't mean in terms yeah. of quality. I mean, they will just let you do the most just, yeah. far out stuff. Like if you push, the, there is no limit to how far you can push this boat out. And yeah. I think this show, more than anything else, like came out obviously Servant around the same time, really bold, brave stuff. And you could just imagine like pitching this to a traditional TV network yeah. or broadcast station. They'd laugh you out the room, wouldn't they? Yeah, I know they're brilliant, and they do leave you alone. So. Well, well, I hope, I think they still do. <laughs> this, this was this was in their first venture, and it was great. They, they just let you do do write what you want. You know? Yeah, and then it's a bit like the BBC. <laughs> it's like the wild west of TV production. Yeah, but uh, yeah, so much fun. Like I say, I love it, and I love what Jonathan Tropper's also doing with it as well. Yeah, uh, big absolutely. fan of of his work. You know, from Warrior to Banshee, which I really liked as yeah. well. So, uh, the man knows how to stage an action sequence. Tell you that he certainly does. Um, yeah. But yes, but but going back to Peaky, obviously before I let you go, and that's um, you know, we talked a little bit when I last spoke to you about the ending because you always saw this as a story that took place between two wars. Yeah. So the end of World War One to the beginning of World War Two. And when we spoke last time, you said actually. You know, there's a in your brain. There's a thought that this story now may go beyond the start yes. of the Second World War. We might see, like, yeah. when did you come to that idea? And you know, do you have any idea what form that might take? Yes. Well, there's a particular true story or thing that happened in the Second World War that I just find really interesting. I just thought this would be a great way of telling that story. So it's it's based on things that really happened in the UK during the war. And I'm just going to throw the peakies into it. Very nice. But and presumably this will be more of a film than a TV film, thing. Yeah. Think? yeah, film, film thing. I mean, when you write the the peaky characters, because you've known them for so long, like they must be, they're like a part of your family at this point. Yeah. Is there a particular voice that you enjoy writing for the most that you sort of like look forward to that person coming? Is it Tommy or is there someone else in there that, that really sort of speaks with your voice? I mean, I, I, I like in different ways writing them. I used to love writing Polly. Um, mm. But to, like Charlie Strong is always like man of few words, but sent but sums things up 
Yeah. So I quite enjoyed it. But I mean, obviously, Tommy's. I'm partial to an Arthur scene myself. I love a bit yeah, of Arthur. Yeah, oh, well, yeah. Great <laughs> the fact that he's a sympathetic, I've never told this before, where, you know, in that scene where he, he blinds a Jehovah, a completely innocent Jehovah. Yeah. And a couple of people who watched it said, oh, poor Arthur. <laughs> <laughs> poor Arthur. What about, what about the Jehovah's was with me? It's like, he's got no face. Like, what are you doing? Yeah, yeah the, the violence in here is like, I remember the bit that always got me is, you know, when um, when Paddy Considine has Tommy's skull fractured and when you hear his skull crack and I was like, oh my God, yes. what are you doing? That's a hell of a moment. Because like the, the violence in this almost feels like it wouldn't be peaky without it. That's not to say it's gratuitous, but it gives it that sense of authenticity. Like it feels part of that world. Yeah. And, uh, you know, if anybody gets injured, if there is any violence, the consequence is dealt with. So it doesn't go away. They don't magic. They don't get them and distance themselves off and they're fine. So, you know, all the violence of the First World War is still affecting. Yeah. That's and Tommy, and, and he has glasses, doesn't he? After his skull gets yeah, fractured, yeah. it affects his, yeah, his exactly. vision. Yeah. 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 Oh, love the show. Honestly, it's, you know, I could talk to you about this all day. God, I mean, I could talk to you about C all day, just alone. <laughs> uh, love it all to bits. Uh, thanks very much for joining us. Thanks and uh, we'll speak to you soon. That was Stephen Knight. Time now for the news. There's one news story above all else that broke yesterday as we're recording this. Um, the Larry David story. It's coming to HBO. Yeah, I've seen you go nuts about it. Yeah, <laughs> on March the 1st, in a couple of weeks' time. Yeah. I have not yet had conversation, I had, had confirmation, sorry, from Sky that they're showing it. Well, they bloody well should be. And oh, yeah. Even though I tweeted, I, I pass out tweeted Sky saying, they, in fact, I just ag tweeted Sky saying, <laughs> please don't ag. keep us waiting for you, for you to show this thing. They do, they have shown almost, almost every HBO document, this is from HBO documentaries, mm. And as far as I'm aware, they've shown pretty much every HBO documentary that's been made so far in the last couple of years has ended up on Skylantic. So there's no reason why this one shouldn't. Yeah. But they haven't confirmed it yet. So on the 1st of March, a two-part documentary. But this one of the best. The trailer is amazing. It's all about it's tracing Larry's rise from, as it says, un, un, unfunny Brooklyn kid um, to America's favorite misanthrope. But the, the titles of the two parts are so. These, this is the, these are the titles: American Jew Boy. <laughs> Bloody hell. <laughs> and the Jewish fountainhead. <laughs> what? Yeah. Read um, really on. That's all I can say. American Jew boy. I totally relate. I mean, you know, I'm English Jew boys, Essex Jew boy or whatever. Um, so, and the, and the, and the um, poster is just him, a, a shot of him, I think, when he was in his like, very early 20s. This massive hair, this kind of Jew fro, basically, Fantastic. with a big bald spot in the middle. It looks incredible. And the base of the format is he's going to sit down with Larry Charles, who wrote, directed a lot of Seinfeld episodes and co wrote a lot of episodes and worked on a lot of curb with him. And it's the two of them chatting away about Larry's life. I mean, I cannot think of anything better. Um, so, yes, the Larry David story coming soon, hopefully, to Skylantic. Can't wait. Can't wait. Big news exactly. for me. Yes. I'm not a violent person. <laughs> Good. I'm glad you prefaced this with whatever that is. But I will murder you both right. for the opportunity to interview Bill Hader for this podcast because we oh, have go Barry for it, yeah. Barry, Barry. Are you a Barry fan? Yeah. April. I want to I speak to NoHo Hank. That's nice. You, you can do that and I'll speak to Bill Hader. Let's do it. We've got to get Yeah. Let's do it. For we Beth. We'll do it for Beth. <laughs> no, you. Totally. But we should, we should, we as the podcast should get Bill Hader for sure. We should. Yeah. Love Barry. And he's, he uh, seems to be a, a lovely guy. Mm. Uh, and yeah, you should definitely be interviewing Bill Hader for sure. 24th of April. All right. We'll see what we can do. Can't wait. Maybe go over to LA and interview him because it has, has to be done in person. I'm owed this, guys. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I'm absolutely owed yeah. this. Yeah. Um, but yes, that's great news. I 
I mean, I'm saying that. I'm hoping we're going to get it on Sky and our TV. Um, it will be. It'll be on Sky. It'll well, you'd like to think. But the other big news this week was, of course, Peacemaker Season 2. Oh, I know. <laughs> like, I quite like Peacemaker Season 1. We'd but, have yeah. to sound sure. excited for it, but I could tell you a goddamn thing about Season 1 yet. It's baffling is, to me that yeah. we still don't even know where this is coming. No. It's like, extraordinary, yeah. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Like this, this. I mean, hacks. You hacks. Can, you <laughs> I get can... asked about hacks every day. Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't know. Where, and, you know, yeah. And it, you think with that, you can almost kind of, because, you know, it's not... I don't know. I still can't reason with it. Yeah, it doesn't, can, doesn't make any sense. But this is this yeah. is big money, big audience, big yeah. IP. Yeah, everything about Suicide Squad and James Gunn like reeks of money, and like a, a inbuilt fan base. Also, on a slightly pompous, serious point, it is it is really. I, I do think the whole TV system now is so confusing yeah. to, to people, consumers of TV. You know what, and so it is infuriating. Genuinely, you have to wait and don't even know when, what channel, what service, streaming service, or whatever things are going to be on, and nothing makes any sense. It's all kind of semi-random. It is really irritating, yeah. and and it does encourage as. You know, I am going to pompously say pirating and people finding it themselves on the internet. Um, it's yeah, it's fucking annoying. Yeah, it really is. Really silly. Um, but yeah, that that was exciting news this week, uh, Barry. And I just yeah, hope we get it. What did the two of you think? So obviously, we we came out just after the Super Bowl, but we recorded beforehand. So at that point, we hadn't seen the Super Bowl spots. We got new spots for Moon Knight, but more importantly, we got a first look at the Lord of the Rings: The War of the Ring. Lord, Lord of the Rings, Rings of the Lord, yeah. as I'm calling it. Um, I thought it was impressive. I thought he looked, you know, epic and beautiful and yeah. massive. Ringsy. And ringsy. And yeah, I was quite impressed with it, I have to say. Yeah. I'm impressed. I'm ecstatic that they're putting a lot of time and effort into Morford Clark, who I think is an, ex- an extraordinary, extraordinary breakout British talent. Um, and I think has got the... I know she's quite green, but she's really got the talents to bring someone like Galadriel into kind of a modern realm. I think she's really great to kind of carry that role. I am a little bit nervous, on the other hand, that I don't know who the fuck most of these actors are. (laughs) And it's just a bit like... Oh, I've just been a little bit burned with ensemble fantasies, but this mm. there's always someone that's not very good. <laughs> like it's your Trish or whatever her name is in Witcher, you know. Hang on, <laughs> well, hang oh, on. You've done it now. Who's Trish? You mean Tris Merigold? Yeah, the sorceress. You have a, you have an issue with Tris. She's it's not a good performance. I'm but, sorry. I, hang on, but hang on. You 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 are a famous Yaskia hater, so I'm not sure I'm going to take what yeah, you say. I hate the character of Yaskia. I hate the performance of Trish. Right. Okay. Trishy, well, at least you have Trishy, different complaints. <laughs> Trishy Witcher. Um, but I I just hope that they are strong enough performance. And I know that when the films came out, like who was Orlando Bloom? You know, it was it was a few kind of wild cards that were kind of thrown in, but they they pulled it off amicably like amiably enough. Like they were they were sort of strong enough to make it work. But this, I am slightly worried that the unknowns might I do not know be able I, to carry the, the source material. I did Maxim Baldry who's in it, who I think Maxim Baldry who played, if you remember, Russell Tovey's boyfriend in Years and Years. Yeah. You saw okay. that. And um, I've met him a few times. <laughs> And um, he, he, I think he's the lead, kind of the male lead in this show, right? Um, from what he's what told, is he? A human, an elf, a dwarf, um, a hobbit? I'm just, I'm just looking him up. On, an Urukai. He's a human sailor um, who will eventually become a warrior and king. And in fact, co-showrunner Patrick Mackay compared his character to Michael Corleone in The Godfather. 
Hmm? I mean, I think it's he's a major, and he's brilliant. Maxim Baldry is a great actor. He's right. really, really good and looks the part. He's got yeah. a real, like, kind of smouldering thing going on. All right, um, well, that's one down. So that's one down. So that's what I'm saying is like one will be good. 50 other characters, yeah. and I'm just worried. I mean, obviously, they were incredibly demanding roles. You've got to be able to pull off all the action, various different kind of skills and fighting, weaponry, all your fantasy shebang. But I just, I need, for this to work to me, I'm no doubt the spectacle is going to be, like, tears to my eyes but I think for it to be able to work to me I need those performances to be as good as every other part of this mm. show. How, what, what, how, did, how do you feel about Lord of the Rings? I, I'm i reluctant to say this because I've said this before no, you got upset. I, 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 see, um, I don't remember where you fall on this. It's uh, not been I really enjoy them. I enjoy them as kind of I'm not like I will die by these films but I do really I feel enjoy them. there is a form of snobbery here because like Ooh, you I, no, you can talk no no but this is the thing, this thing is that I take it no I'm saying this Prissy for, public hands for that reason <laughs> public school <laughs> <laughs> this this dear listeners is a point that we made just before we got on air when Beth waving the working class uh, flag accused me of never having what was it never having cal- not having callous on my calluses on my public school hands there you go yes thank you very much for that uh, but yes no so my, so my snobbery is well established but I'm saying that you know you guys give me shit for snobbery but I think and Boyd doesn't have this like fair play to him he'll watch any old shit but <laughs> unbelievable you, you have compliment <laughs> <laughs> no what I mean to say no wow. but like but you know, see, you're like you're very open minded with different genres and things but I think Beth I think and although you surprise me because you do like you know some of the Star Wars stuff some of the Marvel stuff but there's I think there's, a, there's an element of genre snobbery somewhere no, sometimes no you're wrong you're wrong you sure? I, I fucking love Star Wars it's just I never get a chance to talk about it very much because <laughs> you talk about it all the time. You suck up every second of viable Star Wars space because, and therefore I just can't get my fucking point across. I fucking, Amazing revelation. fucking love the original trilogy and I've said this to you several times but you're too busy talking about it to actually listen to me talk about That's fair. how much I, I can't imagine. I think you're confused. I, I am the big Lord of the Rings doubter. I am the big, I am actually, I'm not a huge fan. Even of, What's I mean, wrong I'm with like, you? I, yeah, I mean something is wrong. I am, I, I, you know, I like the films, but they're not, they're not in any way in my kind of, you know, top That's level the, of things that I love. They are and in often, my top ten of movies of all I time. I know, and I often mm. listen to. Obviously, I listen to all the fucking Empire podcasts <laughs> and all the and I and all the Empire. What are the best films ever? Things, mm. and I, I'm always genuinely amazed by how high the Lord of the Rings films are. It's modern in those masterpiece. Things. But are they? Though? Yes. <laughs> and for me, for me, they I hold a special. They, they, for me, were the big franchise because I yeah. didn't. I mean, the the Star Wars spin-offs we had and we went at the stage I mean that they were just a raging disappointment for everyone <laughs> when they came out yeah. apart from Chris Hewitt um, <laughs> but the, the the Lord of the Rings they were the first ones where I was mm. like oh my god I can't believe I'm sitting I'm about to sit down and watch The Two Towers for the first time this is going to be the same so I have a real sentimentality with that I just couldn't tell you for example what the big fucking spider's called so it's just like, I can't do yeah, well, that that's, I mean that goes for everything yeah I mean yeah that he had James has an encyclopedic <laughs> weird encyclopedic freak knowledge of all the things yeah. but I, I enjoy them I just don't think they're I think they changed the face of, of, of cinema not necessarily for, for the for good to have <gasps> everything, you. everything has to be three four hours long and have like eight yeah. endings and oh, you know uh, a yeah, franchise okay, yeah. the, the and then the Hobbit the films well, I mean that don't get me started on them because yeah, they were a fucking bad. Farago yeah. but I, what I did think watching the back to the trailer, back to the matter in hand, was that this thing is completely in the shadow of Peter Jackson, isn't it? And, and yeah. I felt like it just yeah. looks like a Peter Jackson Lord yeah. of the Rings deliberately, film. deliberately, mm. and it has to. Otherwise, people are kind of going to be disappointed. But mm. he's not involved, is he? So it's like they're kind of like 
he hovers over the whole thing. Of yeah. course, Peter Jackson's real masterpiece is Get Back, the Beatles documentary. Oh so. my God, is it yeah. though? Yes. No, it is. no it's 100% not. 100% is. <laughs> yeah. um, no, Lord of the Rings is one of the greatest things of all time and that's the end of it. So uh, that's that's good. No, I'm, I, this series has cost them all the money. Mm. And not just in a Wheel of Time 10 million episode yeah. all the money, as in a it cost them like half a billion for the license to use it. Um, so they better hope it's good. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm positive about it. I, the footage looked good. The trailer got me excited. It, again, I felt the sort of fuzzy feeling that's sort of taking me back to that world, which I love so much. So yeah, I'm, I'm very excited. It's this September. It's this September. Mm. It not only just has to be good, I think it has to be like a kind of phenomenon, doesn't it? It has mm. to be Game of Thrones level of... Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, but then of. it's difficult. And again, we had this with Wheel of Time. It's like, what are they chasing? Because Lord of the Rings has got crossover appeal. It's done extremely well. Like, it's, I, yeah, I wouldn't necessarily call it four quadrant or whatever it is, but it, it has a lot of crossover outside people like me. So it's mm. not just niche nerddom that like it. And Game of Thrones obviously had that too, but fantasy as a whole has often struggled to break out of that little fantasy box so mm. you know it depends on what this is the fact like once people start banning going, do I need to have read the Silmarillion if the answer to that is yes this show is oh, doomed God, exactly. so exactly. let's assume yeah. not or even having read the Lord of the Rings which is tedious well quite um, um, that's why I gave you that book uh, <laughs> <laughs> Did you see? Did you another? Did you read the interview with that Candace Bushnell? In- I haven't yet. I love um, the journalist very much, so I'm going to have a proper sit and read of it. It's really interesting. But I've read something eye-wateringly upsetting, which is she got something like five thousand dollars for a column per column. Yeah, yeah. Oh, there's a brilliant bit where she talks about how much she got paid. Yeah, to do. What's the word count on that? Yeah, yeah. But my, this is the best. The best bit is about um, and just like that. Um, this is the quote. It's so funny, right? This is this is her. I mean, she's she she's stated for years that she, you know she got fairly alienated by Sex and the City. Certainly, even before the film, the terrible film, second yeah. film particularly, and in the latter stages of it. But this is she's asked about what she thought of, and just like that, she says, "I'm really startled by a lot of the decisions made in the reboot. You know, it's a TV product done with Michael Patrick King and Sarah Jessica Parker, who have both worked with HBO a lot in the past. HBO decided to put this franchise back into their hands for a variety of reasons." And and this is what they came up with. <laughs> <laughs> <I'm> like, <"That." laughs> oh it's hard God. to disagree. Uh, yeah, it is, it is hard to disagree. Oh, I am going to pour but, myself a wine yeah, and read this interview. It's so brilliantly so poised. Just yeah. like, yeah, I'm just going to leave it oh, there. You know. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> I just thought it was so funny. And and the side point is that apparently they're in negotiations to to, to commission second season. Of, I would be amazed like if yeah. they don't get it. Uh, exactly. Yeah. Same. Yeah. Um, but that's so funny. It's really, it is really interesting how the whole show's gone completely wacko. Yeah, and she's not hit, not there for no, it at all. Yeah, yeah. Um, I have not seen the Blackbeard um, trailer yet, but I'm very excited to see that. That's the new Taika Waititi. Is Jermaine Clement on this one? I forget. I'm going to assume yes because sure. they do loads together. But oh, our flag means death. It's cool, doesn't it? And Taika Waititi's got a great, great big bushy beard. So I will be watching that on my lunchtime. I think. Okay, good. Yeah. Um, I was excited to hear that uh, Ray Stevenson, Titus Pullo, <laughs> is joining uh, Ahsoka, Disney Plus' Ahsoka. Oh, yeah. yeah. I love Ray Stevenson. On that. Mm. Who else have we got? I can't even spell it. Uh, she says the big Star Wars fan. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what? Right. Ashoka. No, I've not got it. 
I, I just remember being excited by the crowd. Okay, good. Yeah. good. This is this has been exciting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I liked Moon Knight. I think a the yeah. I should mention the latest episode of Empire Mag- episode. I say the latest issue of Empire Magazine has Moon Knight on the cover. It is a glorious cover, and I'm very excited about that TV series, and not just because it's on the cover of the magazine. Mm-hmm. The trailer was really exciting. Yeah, yeah, it was great. Really, yeah, really good. Uh, of course, the bit, the best thing in the new issue of Empire Magazine is the ranking of Alan Partridge. Yeah, <laughs> not my first ever no. news issue. No, I mean that's great it? as well. Don't get me wrong, <laughs> but the ranking Alan Partridge. There are a lot of Alans on that page. Like the illustration mm. is too much Alan. Oh, it's fantastic! Like, it's quite overwhelming. It's like Glorious. The, that his fans' um, room, isn't it? And he yeah. comes in and it's yeah. like pasted yes, exactly. with photos of, exactly. of Alan Partridge. Yeah. That's pretty much what my house is like. <laughs> Uh, do you see that Halo has been renewed Beth you'll be excited about this Halo's been renewed for a second season ahead of the uh, airing of the first season so so. yeah something else that's gone in this issue we had to do the first uh, trailer for our trailer talk and it was uh, as if this wasn't enough we then had to I had to transcribe sit down and transcribe James talking about Halo for like 40 minutes because no one else had anything to say on it yeah it was fun that's outrageous you had to do that yeah yeah what goes on in, in that office? Yeah, that was a real kind of like a fraternity initiation. <laughs> yeah, it was a hazing. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it was. Did you see the casting announcement for the Disney uh, Plus series Culprits? Have you no. about this? Mm-mm. Gemma Arterton, Kirby Howe Baptiste, Neve Algar, oh, yes. Eddie Izzard, and more. Um, it looks like a really interesting um, show. Uh, culprits Prince Photography has commenced and it's a UK it's a UK origination so it's a kind of British show for Disney Plus uh, Dark and Funny High series from Stephen Garrett who did The Undoing and The Night Manager which are both great and uh, filmmaker Jay Blakeson who did The Disturbance of Alice Creed it's an eight part um, thing that follows what happens after a heist when the crew have gone their separate ways blah 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 blah. Yes. Well, it sounds a bit like Widows Oh, I loved Widows. Yeah, I love Widows as well. Yeah, exactly. So I'm down. I'm there for it. Okay. Well, (laughs) I could tell you that there's going to be a Knuckles spin-off series with Idris Elba, but let's just not. Uh, So should we end news there and move on to reviews? Yes. Okay, let's do that. And first up this week, we have the Peaky Blinders. Uh, We should need no more introduction, I'm saying. This is the final season of the show and the first since the tragic death of the incomparable Helen McCrory Mm. uh, as Polly Gray, who died last year. Um, Lest we forget, with this one, the show kind of ended with Tommy in, I would say, the worst place we've ever seen him, gun pressed to his temple. I should point out there will be no spoilers in this review for those of you uh, who are big Peaky fans. Not just because the embargo came with razor blades, uh, (laughs) but uh, also because we wouldn't want to spoil it. And as a Peaky Blinders fan, I almost because of where season five leaves us and because of everything we know about season six we will try and keep this very plot light so uh do not worry about spoilers we could ask beth to talk about this but she's literally never seen a single episode and is going into this peaky blind her joke uh so instead we turn to boyd because beth follows on from because terry terry wyatt didn't refuse to watch it right she did but has now started watching it and loves it come climbed on board that is on the peaky Um, express I'm a huge fan of the show. I mean, obviously, James forgets I'm a huge fan of the show. I make sure he gets to watch <laughs> Stephen Knight and everyone to do with the pro- with the program. But boy, but I feel you know. that you would have missed the opportunity that mm. I did not to talk about the incomparable C. 
Oh God, that I mean that's true. Yeah, yeah. which uh, is the uh, main Stephen, reason I want to talk Stephen Knight. Yeah, of course it is. Yeah, forget about that. Stephen Knight would have yeah not have been bothered by you banging on about Sue constantly when obviously his um, yeah. greatest contribution to the culture is Peaky Blinders. Um, all we, yeah, I don't I won't spoil it, but all we will say is if you remember the last season finished with that spectacular assassination attempt on Oswald Mosley. Yep. So I do I love. I think some people have issues with the way the show incorporates historical figures. I think it's fascinating. Um, Winston Churchill pops up, um, and Oswald Mosley. Now, one you know, a major character in yeah. the whole thing, um, because Tommy Shelby, Cleo Murphy became an MP, and um, he's kind of you know ostensibly becoming a British fascist along with Oswald Mosley. But of course, one engineered an assassination attempt on him, which went horribly, disastrously wrong. And this season does initially pick up. This is, this is not a spoiler. Exactly where the last one after he ended yeah. up with Tommy holding a gun to his own head, and he had PTSD. Mm-hmm. He had um, from First World War. Everything was getting on top of him with his relationships and his business, and it was all getting too much. And and that and and they do, thankfully, I think, and rightly start the series exactly at that point. Then there's a flash, f- flash forward a few years. That's all I'll say storyline wise. I think yeah. completely. Mm. Um, as a huge fan of the show, I found this first episode surprisingly. I loved it, but surprisingly, almost every I think every opening episode so far of the previous five series has been a spectacular, hasn't it? Like centerpiece, one-off action sequence or incredibly intense slash tense um, maverick special. You know, we're really going to throw down the gauntlet and show you how spectacular visually and cinematically this thing is. This is a much quieter opening episode. I, th- I think it's the quietest I would go as far as to say opening episode of, the, of, a, of a series in, the, in all six series so far. And that's not a criticism. I think actually it's a good decision in a way. Um, and I think the way it deals with with everything and think, as you mentioned Helen McCrory etc is really dignified and powerful and I think all the creative decisions considering it's now a B- it was started on BBC 2 being watched by what 2, 2.5 million people ended yeah. up on BBC 1 with 7, 8, 9 million people mm. I think Stephen Knight is so uncompromising and so kind of honest to his own vision and does not think about all those pressures about what is it like doing does it matter this is now a primetime BBC 1 thing as opposed to the kind of cult phenomenon it used to be and I think people might be slightly surprised by how sometimes quiet this episode is and there's some thrilling moments it's like a western element I, mm. I would just say that was really was brilliantly funny and thrilling and exciting but in general it's it's less spectacular than I might have expected but as I, as I say that's not criticism I really I loved it it's completely compelling but scenes go on a long time yeah. there's, there's one scene I'm thinking of that goes on a long time and is you know kind of it's not in any hurry put it that way to kind of be fast moving and pacey as sometimes the show is it's kind of magisterial I'm using that word it's still operatic mm. it's still got the use of music is incredible and it's still got slow motion and some spectacular vistas and um, and production design lavish production Alan Taylor Joy where she lives is fantastic mm. that, that I love that scene um, so I loved it but it's interesting it was not what I was expecting I would say that Okay, mm. I I I get what you're saying. I think I think there are reasons for that. Oh, as, yeah. as, as we talked about, like yeah. I think you know, tonally, I think it was important to have a reflective 
episode. Yeah. Obviously, this episode isn't where they had originally planned to go with the show. I mean, it is broadly speaking, but they've had to make some, you know, Helen McCrory's death has meant they had to make some adjustments to it. I think they have done, and I don't, this is not a spoiler to say, I think I've seen a few of these. In fact, I saw them last year. I saw them very early. I was very, very excited for that. <laughs> had to just drop that in there. Yes. Um, uh, but I, um, I thought to give her a continued presence, to make her feel part of this series, I think they've done that in a really interesting way. Uh, and this is genius. I mean, this show is fucking brilliant. Let's not mess about. Yeah. Uh, and this series continues that from the episodes I've seen. Like, it's, it's. I mean, it's really, really good. And there's so much baggage hold, sort of carried over from the previous season. All the stuff with Michael, all the stuff with Mosley. There is so much happening. And what I find amazing about the series is like, it's like, and I've never quite got my head around this. It's like, he had this pitch floating around for ages that he wanted to do this. Obviously, it's very personal to Stephen Knight because his parents grew up in Birmingham, around Small Heath. Like, it's very much like, it's it's the Birmingham of their childhood. And the idea that he went to the BBC and said, yeah, I want to do a, I want to do a kind of like a Birmingham set Western with kind of working class men hanging out in a pub. And it's, it's just, it's nuts. But they went for it. And... It's so uncompromising in its vision and it's so striking. It's partly the use of music. It's partly just the kind of rock star aura that he gives to these characters. And as and he's talked about this before, but these are working class men and he makes them look like rock stars. The way they carry the way they walk in slow motion with their coats flowing and Nick Cave yeah. playing. I mean, it's just magnificent. I rewatched the entire series last year in preparation for that uh, piece I did in the magazine where I interviewed uh, Stephen and Killian Murphy for the new season. And it's just so fucking good. It is just so good. And it actually makes me a little bit sad that this is going to be the last season of the show. That said, he has said there's going to be at least one movie afterwards and then potentially one or more movies after that Oof, as we wow. move past the beginning of the Second World War, which he'd never originally intended to go to. Mm. So, so that's exciting too. But so many great characters in this. Um, again, I'm not going to touch on the plot and I don't think anyone really needs to to hear about what happens with this. I think they should discover it for themselves. Mm. But it's it's really good. I'm, I'm curious though. So like Beth, I, I would I would toyed with the idea when you said, oh, I've never seen a Peaky Blinders, I'm just going to go in cold. I almost wanted you to, I almost wanted to say like, go back and watch like episode one. Go and see episode one and then see how you feel about the show as a whole rather than jumping cold. But I'm curious to see what you did make of it cold. Uh, well, I had, to say that I went in cold is is perhaps not truthful because this show has had such an enormous cultural yeah. impact. Like the number of twats around Shoreditch I've seen with the Peaky Blinders haircut and I'm like, you're not in Birmingham though, you work in finance near Liverpool Street Station. Um, in, in the 20s, yeah. In the, yeah, yeah. yeah. The Peaky Cut. Do you know why the Peaky Cut exists? It's a holdover from World War I soldiers. It's a, no, but... No, you were like, to know, I'm, so, I'm sorry, it. did my look in some way give you the impression that I wanted to know? Like, because I don't care. It was, it's delousing. It was to do with uh, uh, in the trenches they used to shave the back and sides of their heads because that's where you'd get well, that headlines. Makes sense. So. That makes these boys look even sillier today. Yeah, some peak explaining. So I was, I was very aware, and I know that things like they're doing an, an interactive thing, aren't they? Like an immersive thing, which I'm sure you'll be trotting up to Birmingham or wherever to do. <laughs> um, and I do really, I mean, I like anything that can can truly make something regional into something very culturally significant. Is the so I like the use of. Well, pop music, but like yeah. contemporary-ish music. Is that all regional or is that just... Because it was Joy Division in the episode I've just watched. Joy Division from Manchester, aren't they? So, yeah. Yeah, but I, no, it's not regional. It's just... Um, it's just that that Joy Division deployment was brilliant. Yeah, I mean they've the used Bowie. They've obviously yeah. used an awful lot of Nick Cave. Yeah, yeah it's just stuff. finding those um, those songs. Yeah, yeah. that so, work. 
He said, he said, like, there's a there's a quality you can tell if it's a peaky track or not. Yeah. Yeah. And I can't remember, there is a quote, and Killian Murphy uses it in the piece I talked about, and it's actually from David Bowie. Like, Bowie said something along the lines that it's, it's, uh, you know, I can't remember what the quote is, but it's basically, there's an outlaw vibe to all of the songs that they use. That's nice. So, yeah, there's Bob Dylan, um, yeah, so it's from from all over, but yeah, those songs are... uh, They're away from the mainstream, I would say, the majority of them, but... uh, Yeah. Yeah, I mean, for you, probably. The rest of us, I think, (laughs) Bob is exactly obscure. Less Kanye in there than, you know, I'd expected, Boyd, but... uh, Yeah. Yeah. But I, I, you know, obviously brushed up enough to know how significant it is. I, you know, felt a real loss when Helen McCrory did pass away and to see, you know, Killian Murphy having to kind of... Did he write something in The Guardian about losing her that was very, very, very tender and sweet? Mm. Um, I love this role for Killian Murphy. I feel like... And I'm saying this again, I'm coming into this not really having read any much about it, but like movie-wise, he's not really had a role like this in or like a kind of starring. Mm, I know what role. you mean, yeah. He's sort of dropped off, you know, he had that great collaboration with Christopher Nolan and and obviously like came roaring in with 28 Days Later, but he's not really landed on the big screen in quite the same way that he has here even though he's this extraordinary talent. So I think it's great that he's maintained this for nearly a decade. I didn't know yeah. it been a decade nearly. Um, so I knew all that stuff going in and then it just was a continuation of that realisation of how culturally significant it is. So yeah, the plot lines lost on me. I'm glad we can't talk about them because I couldn't have tried. Um, <laughs> there was no recap, was there, at the beginning? No. Was- oh, none. Absolutely no. none. Yeah. So I was like, oh, oh. I thought it, no. Or was there okay. a mini recap? Ooh. No, actually, there was a mini recap. I'm thinking about. It. Sorry, well, yeah. anyway. it wasn't the version I saw. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah. No, I think. That, but yeah, but, but not if you're coming straight in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then is... like, oh, is he? I thought he was it. He's not in it. Oh, okay. so a lot yeah. of that was happening for me, which probably distracted from it. But I mean, obviously, in terms of world building, in terms of ca- a character study of him, which you get quite immediately in this episode. Yeah. Brilliant. Brilliant. It's brilliant. I just don't know <laughs> anything that's fucking going. Did it on. make you want to go back and watch the show? I would. Or am I but, kidding myself? Oh my god! I did. Oh, yeah. I'll but do like, it. I feel like this is one of these things where, like, we all by necessity watch a lot of stuff that maybe isn't brilliant. Uh, but this is one of those things where you would be hard pressed to find a better show that you have. Like, you are very lucky that you've yet to watch Peaky Blinders. Right. So, but is it not, is it not a miss the boat lucky. type thing oh, at this stage? No, well, it's not, you know, it's like no, a fine Terry, wine, Terry, Beth. It, it Terry, only Terry improves with age. example, yeah. She, uh, yeah, Terry, cause, and Terry probably. refused to watch it, I think, in principle, basically because I said that she shouldn't, that I liked right. it, so she refused yeah. outright to do it. Um, but it is it is so good, and she tried to watch it a couple of times, and I don't know why. And, and I gave up on it. I thought she's never going to watch it, and then mm. she tweeted, "God, it was only a couple of months ago." She finally started watching it, and she was obsessed. Loves mm. it. So I kind of feel like once you've watched The Wire, you should 100 uh, percent pick up Peaky Blinders. It's definitely set the bar, I think, for a British for British TV oh, being yeah. cinematic. Oh yeah, I mean it, it, it's you just. Know, it's 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 so beautifully done. Yeah. Um, and that, it was right from that, as you pontificate in your um, article, the opening <laughs> scene where he right, strides in on the horseback, etc. Yeah. Right from that opening, very first episode, very first scene, you knew it was going to be bold. Yes, it is bold, <laughs> it is lavish, it yeah. is all of these all things. Of things. <laughs> uh, yes, the sixth and final season of Peaky Blinders does arrive. It was announced quite late, this one. In fact, this is the reason why we are late. We're obviously going out on Tuesday morning this week because of the embargo for Peaky Blinders. Um, but the sixth season of Peaky Blinders lands on BBC One on... Sunday the 27th. Sunday the 27th <laughs> of February. <laughs> <laughs> 
Excellent. Right. Uh, next this week, we join Josh Gad as a widower and single dad who has Isla Fisher quite literally crash into his life during the school run in Wolf Like Me, a show that isn't quite what it seems. And I should point out now that I went into this show having watched the trailer and at no point when watching the trailer, when sitting down to review this, or when watching it, did I at any point twig why it was called Wolf Like Me? I like genuinely had no clue. Brilliant. So I would like you to understand the expression on my face when you get to the end of the first episode and it becomes abundantly clear why it is called Wolf Like Me, <laughs> which I don't even think is a spoiler because I think they've been very upfront about what the topic of the show is if anyone's been paying attention. It's just that I hadn't, and this really fucking threw me for a loop. But Beth... Tell us about Wolf Like Me. Yes. So I sort of knew the premise, had not seen the trailer. So yes, it's about Josh Gad, struggling widow Gary. Emma is his daughter. She got a lot, lot of issues, that poor girl. <laughs> Panic attacks, just like the kind of resentment you have for your dad that doesn't usually rear its head until at least 14. She's <laughs> got like a decent head start on it. So they're already, and you know, She's been through a lot, which becomes kind of outlined in the first episode. She's got, you know, she's got reasons to be as angry as she is at the world. And then, yeah, as you say, quite literally, Isla Fish's Mary kind of, well, nearly kills them, let's yeah. be honest. I'll say, I'll and say how shocking is that? Like yeah. the tonal switch from like comedy lols to that rather brutal car crash. Yep. You can, I can usually at this stage, I've watched enough bloody stuff that I can, I know the cues yeah. or I can expect something, you know, when someone's like, we'll talk about this when I get back. And I'm like, no, he's, he's not coming <laughs> home. But with this, it was like a genuinely shocking moment. Um, yeah. So Mary nearly kills them and then uh, shows up at their door the next day and apologizes, which is, you know, probably not the most ethical or like legal thing ever, but does it. Uh, and then begins this kind of tentative you know, relationship with Gary. Um, and then, yeah, it turns out, well, if we're saying it... She's, she's a werewolf. She's a fucking werewolf. She's a werewolf. But it's done. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's in the title. It's in yeah. the title. I mean, how fucking stupid am I that it literally Quite. never... Because I literally thought, I thought, it's a weird title for a show, Wolf Like Me. It feels like there's something sinister going on and I can't quite work it out. And, and I think it's because, and maybe it's in the trailer and I just stopped watching the trailer and got distracted by something shiny or something and didn't see it. But... For some reason, having seen the trailer and not remembering yeah. any werewolves, I just assumed that this was a romantic comedy or a drama because it kind of is a bit of both, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. But she's a fucking werewolf. She's a big, fat fucking werewolf. But I mean, that I <laughs> really loved. You know I like things that do something different with mm. what's already there. And this is a really beautifully written story about a widow who's try god love him trying his best josh gad trying his absolute best and this is a lovely role for him as well i know him better for kind of well he's the snowman he's olaf frozen. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i love you know the name and i don't of course i do <laughs> i'm all about the frozen cinematic universe yep um but you get to see him this in a very somber role but he really really is like breaking down in a car park at the sight of a baby like not okay and really trying to stand this with this little girl who's played by uh, ariel donahue who's a good child actor yeah. she is a really good child actor um and just struggling with that and then this very tender kind of relationship that starts with isla fisher you know they're opening up with each other she's got her own crosses to bear as well and then it goes genre in a sudden sharp but still quite subtle way 
like we still I'm two episodes in I had to watch the second one oh same here and you still don't see her as werewolf she locks him she's got this beautiful little house and she locks herself in this very beautifully ornate door that's like clearly part of the decor (laughs) and then she like locks herself in and then whatever goes on behind the door isn't pretty but we haven't seen that (laughs) yet but this is what I like something that creatively moves the needle Mm the opposite way to where it's going and does it well so I think this is I don't know Abe Forsyth I don't know anything he's done he's an actor apparently and then he's he's done some show writing before but this is he did Little Monsters the film Little Monsters with Lupita Nyong'o it was um yeah. Shit, the one where she plays the ukulele and she's yeah. the school teacher. It's a, yeah. a zombie comedy. Yeah, that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. I'd like to. I'd like to watch that. But it's very well realised. Lovely characters. Lovely performances. Ida Fisher is another one I haven't really seen in a film doing stuff. Also, well. and I'd like to point out, this is a show set in Australia. She's an Australian actor playing an American yeah. living in Australia, which seems like a contortion that isn't strictly necessary, but sure. And I know what you're going to yeah. say, James, James, it's called acting, darling, and I get that. I do get that. That does sound like me, yeah. <laughs> James, it's called acting, darling. No, yeah, that was that was a bit of a quiet moment, like, but this is what I like. Stuff that's genre, but doesn't sacrifice heart and good writing to do that. Or, you know, beautiful character study, relationship drama with werewolves. It- I'm I'm with you 100%. And like I say, just in, like going into this, I, it was very much a case of, oh, I've got to watch this shit. Like, <laughs> I, we've got to do the podcast. I watched it very early this morning as well. Mm. I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to sit through this thing. And I got sucked in initially by the soulfulness of Josh Gad's character. Like, I bought him 100% mm. as the kind of grieving widower trying to get back into dating while also struggling to be a parent to a child who is being incredibly difficult. She has her own issues. She's not deliberately being difficult. But, you know, he's, he's not doing well. He's not coping well. And he's being emotionally distant with his dates. He's not available to them at all because he's just about holding the pieces of himself together. Yeah. And... I thought that was lovely. And then this car crash came out of fucking nowhere, literally. <laughs> and and again, like you can always tell, you're absolutely right. When there's going to be a car crash and it's always at a fucking junction, you can always tell just before, even in Unforgotten, you can always tell just before it happens yeah. because there's something the camera does where it's like there's a pregnant pause while they're going across a junction. It's like it's happening cold feet as well. Like you know exactly oh when God, it's going to happen. <laughs> I know. Yep. You know exactly when it's going to happen. And in this, it just just suddenly cuts to it and like yeah. bang and I was properly whiplashed bang. by that because yes bang that bang. was my sound effect <laughs> but like emotionally to go from because it's very comedic to start off with and then you have that bit and that kind of shows you it sets out the stool that this is going to be a bit of an emotional roller coaster mm. in that to use a cliche but, but in that it's funny at times it's sweet at times but it's really heartbreaking at times as well and when he starts to open up to Isla Fisher's character and she's she seems flaky and unreliable and a little bit nuts yeah. um, and you're not sure what's going on and but you're kind of rooting for them, but she gets into open away up in the way that no one else does, and it feels like I say it feels organic, it feels honest, it feels real, and I thought that was lovely. I thought there was an emotional honesty to the show that really got me. And then she turns into a fucking werewolf. So like I was absolutely on board with yeah. this, and then had no idea she was going to turn into a fucking werewolf, and she turned into a fucking werewolf, yeah. and this suddenly became the greatest show of all time. <laughs> How many episodes have you watched? So that was the first one. Obviously, it ended, and I was like, oh my fucking God, I must watch the next one immediately. And so I put on the next one. I've only watched two, but I guarantee I am going to watch all of these. But we don't yeah. see her as a werewolf. No. Yet. No, but, but, 
nevertheless, like yeah. it is abundantly yeah, clear yeah, 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 what yeah, is yeah, happening sure. at the end of the first yeah, episode. Sure. And suddenly I'm like, oh my God, what is this show? Yeah, yeah. And then the second episode begins with a really, again, emotionally sort of raw sequence, which is really upsetting. And then you get back to this. So like tonally, it's all over the place, which is normally a criticism from me, but here it is all over the place in the best possible yeah. way because it's like real life. Like it's, it's. It, I mean, it's, uh, it's, I don't know, like it's, it's, it's like a tidal wave of emotion sort of washes over you every five seconds, taking you this way, that way. It's funny, it's sweet. Oh my God, I'm crying. Like it's a whole thing. <laughs> and there's fucking werewolves in it. Fucking werewolves. I mean, I don't even know what to say. Yeah. I... I, I sat there thinking this is a really, really good romantic comedy with, you know, with Isla Fisher being brilliant. Yeah. She's always great. I love her. Always great. Josh Gad, who is a bit jazz handsy musical man, isn't he? But yeah. he's really, really good in this soulful, totally convincing with his relationship with the daughter. I just thought it doesn't need to have the fucking werewolf element. Boyd, but, every TV show is improved <laughs> by inclusion of a werewolf. I know. No, no, no. But in the end, what I hope is, and I don't know, I, I read... A couple of reviews, and they didn't make it clear if people, who, if critics in America, had seen the whole series. Mm. Only six parts because it's a mini series. Just it's not a returning series. This is a limited well, series. That. Well, that's what they're that's saying. What they're saying. That, that's how everything. Okay, is everything is. Uh, yeah, everything yeah. can come back. Yeah. But, you know, they don't all die. They're yeah. not all gonna, anyway. But what I like about it is that we haven't seen yet in the first two episodes her tra- a transformation. I hope we never do. We may well that's never fine. will. Yeah, that's brilliant. Yeah. If that because that underlines. The, the theme and the kind of metaphor of her it, being, yeah. having something wrong in quotes with her. It is a metaphor. That is a secret mm. and, that she, and that affects her, how she deals with normal socialising and normal relationships. And the fact that she runs off yeah. for no good reason. Yeah. Charges constantly off. Constantly charges off. Causing, yeah. by the way, other car crashes yeah. around yeah. her is kind of great. And and, and I, so I just, I, if, if it does turn out that we never see I think that's, that would be brilliant and if I I was to him the creator that's what I would do yeah. I don't who knows mm. we, we, we may, you know, maybe it's the last shot or something fuck knows but I, like you I, I really want to carry on watching it and it's really really well mm. done it's it you, brilliantly written and totally and it's got that um, often think about it, it's just you know you know often you know within five minutes of something whether the script writing and the acting is going to convince you and this totally does from the yeah. off it's really great so I, I was I was also I was like oh do we, you know when we have the which shall we review this week thing I was like we should really review season two of Fraid which I'll come to in a minute because it's brilliant <laughs> but there's, we do tend to go for brand new things yeah. generally yeah. if we can unless it's a phenomenon like Peaky uh, Blinders uh, unless it's something I like, yeah. like, the you like yeah, <laughs> that is the truth of it that's the fucking truth of it <laughs> but <laughs> I wasn't particularly looking forward to this it's really really good yeah yeah it is good and like you say it is it's all about metaphorical uh, it's all about metaphorical <laughs> um, you know it's it's very metaphorical like it's 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 all about the baggage you carry and how yeah. you bring that into relationships and how you relate to other people whether that's grief whether that's lycanthropy you know these are the things that that weigh us down but the the thing that kind of threw me is this starts with a very tried and tested comic device it starts with a breakup scene in a restaurant where a partner like someone he's been dating for a few weeks is breaking up with him yeah and it's just funny it's just very light it's very really funny really well written it's really funny um and it wrong foots you. It really mm. wrong foots mm. you. And um, yeah, look, I can't recommend this enough. I think it's fantastic. Uh, Wolf Like Me Then, which airs somewhere at some time. <laughs> Prime video, yeah. Friday the... Uh... 25th. Yes. Friday the 25th on Prime Video. 
Right, finally this week, we have Vikings Valhalla, the spin-off sequel to Michael Hurst's Vikings. This one is set 100 years after the events of that show, and a lot has changed. There is something rotten, in fact, in the state of Denmark, uh, and it looks like an army of marauding Vikings. Um, so unlike Vikings, 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 uh, this isn't written by Michael Hurst, who wrote every single episode of Vikings. Instead, this is written and showrun by Jeb Stewart, co-writer of fucking Die Hard. So, you know, boy, do I shall forbear another total Canute joke and, and simply ask what did you think of this <laughs> yeah, King Canute is a major character he is it? Yeah. highly amusingly um, I, I thought it was really funny and I don't think it's intending to be um, <laughs> I know it's not I know it's not intending to be it's actually weirdly quite po-faced and and the serious did you watch Vikings serious. because no it is as well yeah <laughs> Right, indeed, yeah. I mean, I know Vikings was from so Vikings was like History Channel, wasn't it? And then yes, originally, up, yeah, originally, and, it, and was mm. also on Prime Video, I think. Here, this is Netflix straight to Netflix, as you say, um, and it is it opens really powerfully with a kind of like um, uh, with an attack on the Viking race, who at that point have some of them settled in Britain, basically, yeah. And the horrible British overlords decide to um, this isn't a spoiler. This is the kind of op- opening thing. Decide to um, lay waste to the Vikings in a kind of racist. Gen- it's a, it's a historical event. Yeah. Right, yeah. yeah. Thank you. <laughs> James explaining it. Thank you. It's a, it's a historical event. Yes. It's a um, Bryce's Day massacre. But, it was, yes. but it was very effectively, dramatically done. A bit like the Red a bit red wedding a bit Game of Thronesy. Then after that, when you kind of... This opening episode, you kind of introduce all the characters. There's a spectacular arrival by ship with a kind of some slightly dodgy CGI, um, w- massive tidal wave action that this kind of... the, the this other it cuts, so you don't even see it. Yeah, and then it cuts right, exactly. Then they land on dry so land. like, well, that's the budget. Yeah. They deal with that. Arrival dry land, and it's all fine. They're all fine. They've all made, kind of mostly made it. Maybe there's one or two didn't. And then you introduce the characters. Can you... And there's a, there's a woman who's got a... Um, basically is on a revenge mission, and that's one of them. Interesting um, storylines of the of the episode, but generally the whole kind of milieu of it is blokes with beards <laughs> and top knots shouting at each other and um, being violent for no good reason. Apart from that, they are obviously they are Vikings and kind of being very shouty and beardy and with all with like weird, all with a kind of Nordic accents. So they're all like speaking in English, but with that they all talk like that. <laughs> Oh, wow. All, I apologise to I mean, all some, of our no, Nordic listeners. Some of them, by the way, some of them are genuinely Nordic or whatever the actors, yeah. but a yes. lot of them aren't. A lot of them are British and American. They're all doing, they're all speaking English in that way, in that subconsciously Nordic Viking-y way. Um, I found it a bit preposterous. And yet, and yet it's, I'm sure it's historically accurate and everything. I found the whole woman's revenge plot thing tied and cliched and everything Beth's going about to about hold forth on that I'll let Beth hold forth on that longer but the, my main issue with it was um, with moments of spectacle like the the, the the whole arrival by boat thing with the tidal waves and the incredible storm they had to go through was quite effectively done but then there were bits of it that had quite kind of quite dull and then nothing much was only introducing the characters but is the tone of it was so self-conscious just, I think it could have just done with a little bit of humour and a little bit of like isn't, yeah you're having a rollicking good time and so it's not for me if it's going to be that self-consciously serious for the whole fucking thing then count me out so I think as much as I was like with Wolf like me oh it's supposed to be one thing it's quite different this is through and through a show about fucking Vikings, isn't it? I mean, it's in the name. Fucking Vikings show from the off. For, like, it's when it started with like a raucous banquet, I was like, oh, here we fucking go. It's gone. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I'm going to say exactly the same words that you are probably, but just in a very different tone. <laughs> yeah, uh, banquets, top knots, axes, people dragged through the mud in cruel ways. Like, it was just very much a blueprint of every other. So there was a Viking show before this. This is what we're saying. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, this, this is what this we're is, saying. This is a spin-off show. We're not just saying it. We're right. fine. <laughs> well, like, uh, yeah, and the, the rape revenge... I know it was a brutal time for women. Of course it was. Do we do we need another fucking rape revenge storyline for a woman? Mm. Could a woman just not have a motive that's not guided by a horrific cage rape and branding? Like, is could, could we not? I mean, it it was... It's a slightly new spin in that we saw her enjoying sex and having... So she has a sexual encounter with someone after she gets off a ship. The very um, handsome Harold Sigurdsson. Very buff. Sure. Yeah. Very buff. These yeah. Vikings are very they good looking. It's probably worth mentioning. They're buff. very handsome yeah. Vikings. Yes. Major pecs going on. Yes, major peckerage. Um, and then she basically explains her kind of motives for being there and, oh, she's been sexually assaulted. How refreshing. Um, <clears> so I found that boring, to be honest, and, yeah. and unnecessary. Uh, it was it was just very much a fucking Viking show, and I have very little <laughs> notes other than that. <laughs> like, the boy's just, like, it's very beardy. Beth's like, too many Vikings. It's yeah. just Vikings. They could have been fun, couldn't it? The width, I just don't think it was over the top or fun enough. Like, if you're going to have Vikings, then just really go for it with the violence and the sex and all that. But it just didn't. I was yeah, like, I was disappointed by that. Yeah, down to the kind of, of really yeah. primal like right. stuff behind it. Ha- yeah, have some fucking fun. Yeah. Well, um, Last Kingdom has fun. Yeah, like, it's that no has lot a sense right. of humor. Yeah, it's Whereas, no Lost Kingdom, But no. to be fair, Vikings has never had a right. sense of humour. Like, it's always been very earnest. Yeah. Mm, yeah um, and it's kind of, love that or loathe it. I loathe. Yeah, you know. something like the kind of the Dothrakis in Game of Thrones, yeah. maybe, yeah. where you have those ridiculous, like, rituals where they're all just fucking and fighting and just being <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. Like, I could, I could do with some of that. But yeah, cripplingly self-aware, self-serious bored of by women being reduced to, I think literally one is pregnant and one is a rape survivor great yeah thrilled for us um and yeah the rest are just a bunch of fucking beardy vikings mm. and yeah so I, I just I just yeah I'm I'm with you on the rape revenge plot I, I was um, there was a lot of eye rolling when that happened uh, the shield maidens come into their own a little bit later on did I mention I watched the entire season I probably didn't but, uh, <laughs> didn't. but of course I did <laughs> but of course I did because I loved every second of this um, because the thing is like, so I really enjoyed Vikings when it first started mm. um, back when Travis Fimmel was in there that's Ragnar Lothbrok uh, but uh, it loses its way and I think partly it gets a little bit hamstrung by trying to adhere to historical fact and part of it is that when Travis Fimmel is no longer in it, it it's just not as engaging but also it gets really fucking weird as it goes along and it becomes really aimless sort of rudderless and it goes all over the place and it just got really boring and this I think I think maybe that's I went into this with that in my mind and this was refreshingly focused and had a clarity to it that reminded me of early Vikings so before it got all bogged down and all that nonsense I also really enjoyed the time frame that so much has happened so they very sensibly set this begins in Kattegat which is where most of Vikings ends up being set and it's a hundred years later so you have and they make a point of name checking at least four of the characters from the original show right off the bat just to make sure that you know it's the same series Um, but so much has happened so the the pagan ways have gone and in those hundred years christianity has spread throughout sort of like the nordic countries so christianity has become the dominant religion and the pagans are seen as outcasts and that is a big you know move from where we left 
these people. So, you know, yes, there was some, and, and one of the major characters, could, his name might be Seagood, I can't really remember. If you can't <laughs> Converts even remember. to Christianity oh, at the end of Vikings. Uh, it's one of them, one of the ones I didn't like. I don't know. Um, <laughs> But uh, nice. yeah, so, so so but now you know it's it's a whole thing, and I, that that added a whole different flavour to it, and that and this use of kind of religion or specifically Christianity as a weapon is a big part of this season as well. And obviously, this is all about St. Bryce's Day massacre, where they killed all of the sort of Danes and people from the Nordic countries in the UK uh, or right uh, in England, not the UK, uh, in England, and uh, then King Canute drew a massive, massive Viking host and conquered the shit out of England because, you know, fair play to him. Uh, and that's essentially the setup for this. So then you have storylines in England, you have storylines back in Kattegat and it's kind of, there's political stuff, there's character stuff and a lot of it kind of hinges around these Greenlanders. So one of the things that happens towards the end of Vikings is they found Greenland and Iceland. And so you've got this this group of friends which is Freydis, who you've talked about, who is on this revenge block played by Frida Gustafsson uh, and then her brother Leif uh, who is here is played by Sam Corlett, Leif Eric who's son of Eric the Red um, and it's essentially they're the two sort of primary characters and then the other one is Harold Sigurdsson who's the great grandson of Harold Finehair from the original Vikings no one cares James and <laughs> more than that I would rather though having said that I would rather listen to you banging on about Leif Eriksson Freydis Eriksdottir Harold Hodrada Katagatfakura Holderol Nolderol I'd rather listen to you pronouncing those names than watch this fucking show that's more interesting to me. <laughs> but, but, but like, so you say that, but, but, like, it has some interesting battle sequences. They do some fun things. It's not just like massive pillaging and looting, which there was a lot of in the original Vikings. There's a bit where they bring down London Bridge. Like, they, they, you know, it's, oh, I, I found that. this really quite thrilling. Mm. I didn't binge these episodes. I watched one a night as I was going through the last week, but I really enjoyed it. Oh, it was great. Oh, good for you. Loved yeah. Vikings, Valhalla. Yeah. So. As ever, really happy for yeah. you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, you and King you. Fair enough. If, uh, if, unlike Boyd and Beth, you are not a massive Canute, you can find Vikings Valhalla Season 1 on Netflix on the 25th of February. Uh, Boyd, do you want to tell us about Frayed? Frayed Season 2, Wednesday, Sky Max slash now. This is um, Sarah Kendall, who's a stand-up, Australian stand-up. Um, it's all about, it's set in the 80s. She it all started off season one with her finding out that her dead um, husband was a, not only a philanderer, but also ruined, basically ruined them, ruined them financially. So she has to go back to her hometown of Newcastle in Australia, working class, small town, with her two teenage kids and start life anew with her mum, living with her mum. And it just, that initial premise, the whole by the end of the first season, there was a spectacular ending to the first season season where it threw in death and abuse and huge big ideas and themes very ambitious season two even more so um the investigation into that death which i won't spoil in case case people want to catch up with it it's all on sky now and there's a huge big thing that happens in um the penultimate episode of this new series which is astonishing it's a really surprisingly stunningly ambitious very funny and yet kind of also kind of profound and moving show so i cannot um sing the praises of frayed enough on Sky slash now Wednesday, 20, 10 o'clock. There you go. Okay. Uh, what else is on? Uh, Resident Alien season two comes to Sky Max on the 24th. We that was that. the show that me and you did not like at all, but no. Terry was rather fond of. Oh, yeah. So this is That's Alan right. Tudyk as an alien. Yeah. Um, uh, what else is on? Well, you mentioned The Walking Dead. Oh, yes, The Walking today, Dead. Yes, Walking Dead Disney is returning. Plus. Yes, on yeah. the 21st. That's, that's season... 11B out of D. So there will be, we've had A, this is B, there'll also be C and D. So, you know. 
It's the, it's, it's the second half of the first part of season 11 of The Walking Dead. Exactly. And I think that's broadly speaking yeah, it for this week, isn't it? it? Yeah. Yeah, there's not a lot else. Okay. No. What's our pick of the week? Guys, is it Vikings Valhalla? <laughs> you madman. Well, you're picking Vikings Valhalla over Are Piggy Blinders. No, I'm not. Have you totally of course lost I'm not. it? I will say, I will say, I thought this was a really fucking good week for TV. Like, I loved Wolf Like Me. I loved Vikings Valhalla. <laughs> and of course, I love Piggy Blinders, but Piggy Blinders is clearly the best thing we saw. It was saw. a really good week for TV apart from Vikings Valhalla. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to go Wolf Like Me. Loved it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, that was, you know, this week's pilot podcast. <laughs> we hope you were enthralled, entertained, perhaps a little bit informed. Uh, at least we did the sections vaguely in order this week. Um, in return for all of that, all we ask from you is a five star review on Apple Podcasts. Please also follow at Pilot TV Pod on Twitter and Instagram for recommendations throughout the week and follow each of us individually to help, you know, shore up our self esteem. At James C. Dyer, at Boyd Hilton, and at Beth K. Webb. Next week sees the return of Picard which is very very exciting but you know what isn't exciting the fucking embargo that breaks the day before it airs so even though I have the episodes and even though I may already have seen the episodes I can't talk about the episodes until the week after next which is not frustrating at all Um, still I will say we do have Joe Dempsey on the podcast next week Gendry Baratheon himself to talk about pieces of her on Netflix Uh, so that will have to suffice Um, see you next time Pilot out. <laughs>